Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This one's for you tonight. Okay, let's get started. never said my name like that before ever has anyone ever said your name like that yes. in the history of life a few times before i've been sung my name just like that but never in this context it's like that on in garden state when she's like i try and do something no one's ever done before and she's like la, la. We, whoa, whoa, we. Yeah. And he's like you're incredible you're one of the coolest people i've ever met and you are going to be the prototype for the manic pixie dream girl 100%. Right? Um, I remember when I was a freshman of college, you were younger than me. Uh, that was the movie to see. Yeah. It was like how people, young people watch movies now. And they're like, I'll never see anything better than this. Salt burn. Like, I, this is the best movie I've ever seen. It's so weird and off the wall. And I can't yeah. believe someone ever made this movie because they've only seen six movies yeah. at a time. It's so deep. Garden State was that for me. Yeah soundtrack off the charts oh the soundtrack rips yeah. and when he does put his headphones to her she puts his <laughs> earbuds yeah her earbuds in his ears and says yeah. you got to listen to this beautiful song that shin song does yeah. rip yeah the shins will change your life he had good taste in music zach braff yeah it's a great soundtrack maybe better than his taste in all other things yeah don't you think? I feel like it was all downhill from there. Have you ever revisited not to get kind of into gardens <laughs> but have you re revisited as a a adult when your I brain is I want to say I watched formed? it during like COVID or something and it wasn't as cringe as I thought it was going to be. Like I thought it was going to be like horrifying. Yeah. And I was like, honestly, I'm still down. Cool. Oh, good. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his career really fell off after Garden State. He like tried one more movie like that or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then he was directing like he did this like old man heist movie that I watched. It was one of the worst movies I've ever uh, seen in my life. Okay. Um, But anyway, 
Well, I, that was also, I was too young to even appreciate what Zach Braff was going through in that movie because it was like he had been in Hollywood for a couple of years after college right. and then he's returning home for the first time. Right. As like a semi-famous man. Yeah. And he's depressed. Yeah. And he needs antidepressants and his family doesn't understand him. Yeah. So all that to say <laughs> is that when you said my name like that and then you referred to it as Natalie Portman in Garden State, that was all accurate. Great. <laughs> we can move forward then. Would you like to? <laughs> Should we do Summer House oh, right. Trailer Minute or Poor Things Minute? Well, oh, I guess since we're talking about films, right. right? Would this be a natural segue for me to ask you if I, if you'll permit? Yeah. I saw the film Poor Things on my birthday, right, December 20th, and I really loved it. Yeah. And then I know you watched it recently, yeah. like within the last and week. And it's relevant because it took home some Golden Globes, so we're just covering the news right now. It got more Golden Globes than... Um, I even imagined. I was yeah. proud that it was so um, awarded. Yeah. So can I ask what you thought about Poor Things? I loved it. Really? Yeah. Well, just like me. I loved it. Full love. I was surprised. Um, I thought Emma Stone was amazing. Yes. I came in ready to be annoying because I'm a stinker and I thought it was going to be too much going on. I'm a stinker too. Try like hard, you know, yep. too much. And I was like, honestly, it's incredible that she pulled it off. Like I can't oh, yeah. imagine anyone else doing what she did that was a thought experiment i was just gonna ask you right after you got done saying it what other contemporary actor would do better than emma stone than she does in poor things we were saying like jennifer lawrence okay, and i don't no. think she could have ever pulled off the like brain dead yeah um well i don't want to spoil anything but like the the first half of that movie jennifer lawrence or, or almost anyone else doing it it yeah. would not have come off right right like Emma Stone's like odd acting energy was so perfect for that role. It almost couldn't have been anyone else. I know. It was wild. Um, she, I noticed that she produced it too. Yeah. So I yeah. feel like she really was vibing with the material. Yeah. And I don't um, think Yorgos, um, I know him. And so I asked him this. I don't think it was written with anybody else in mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a book that he adapted, but I think the entire process, he was always thinking Emma Stone because they already had that established relationship. Yeah. So I don't think he even would have considered anybody else the entire time. Yeah. No, I thought everybody was really great except for, um, what's his name? Rothaniel. Uh, are you saying the, the final man, uh, Chris Abbott, the final boss? No, the guy on the cruise who's a comedian. Oh, Gerard Carmichael. I thought he was god-awful. Yeah. Um, oh, I hate to say it. That's, I, that's what I thought Stopped too. me dead in my tracks. He, he uh, unfortunately did not know what movie he was in. It was and, just like he was reading words. Yeah. He I, was not connected to the words coming out of his mouth whatsoever. I don't think Yorgos properly explained to him the tone of the film. <laughs> yeah, everyone else was like dandy and fancy free and at, like had so much flair. Yeah. And he was just playing it like 2023, like yeah. reading yeah, words. It was very. It was his performance was very jarring. Um, definitely a, <laughs> a, a weak spot in the film. And I, I also didn't think Christopher Abbott, who you know, I yeah, don't he really was a little blah. Yeah, it just it's like that's the final. Like I, I, right. I was so excited for the final thirty minutes because that yeah. was the more unconventional part where like. I'm going to, we're going to have to spoil it. should have been like Christoph Waltz. <laughs> it could have been anybody. It, it like a villain. It would have been so much more power. We were even speculating like Colin Farrell. He already had that relationship. Like Colin, Colin Farrell would have like ripped that thing yeah. apart. Yeah. Like it just, I don't, I don't have the reverence for Chris Abbott that no. the world does. And it was just deflating to right. have he, him be the, like the final evil Did you think person. there was anything intentional about the fact that him and Rami Youssef look extremely similar? 
No, um, I, <laughs> I I did think about that the entire time uh, that they did, and I I just think that there there was some small casting mistakes mm-hmm. in that movie, but they barely ding the overall power of that movie. Yeah, it was just too. Um, it was too good that even two kind of lackluster performances don't don't hamper yeah. it at all. Mark Ruffalo left no crumbs. Yes, uh, yeah. Um, tonally, Mark Ruffalo, like, was the funniest I've ever seen him <laughs> in anything. Like, yeah. he, every decision he made in that movie could have been so bad if he had handled it, you know, badly. Like yeah. his, his comic timing or everything. Like, there are so many things that could have gone wrong with that role. He did the absolute best yeah. version of that. I forget exactly what happens, but when he goes, he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I don't know why I'm calling out specific moments without a visual, but I literally like spit out my Diet Coke. I was laughing so hard. We were all uproariously (laughs) laughing at the movie. And I honestly think of how funny it was. You, it almost makes you suspicious of the merit of the film and how meaningful the story actually was because you don't expect a prestige movie to actually have that much humor. Yeah. It was, it was, it was major heart. It was, yeah, it was like the, the, like a high watermark for, tonally matching comedy with drama right i realized like while i was watching the golden globes and they were doing all the clip packages and everything i was like oh it kind of um has the exact same message but way better as barbie yeah oh oh yeah it's <laughs> like very it's just similar. like a dumb bitch sent out into the world who knows nothing who's innocent and pure and has to learn her way through and benefits from like yeah feeling or yeah learning the hard knocks yeah and it's so funny also <laughs> that people are going into poor things not knowing the subject matter and not knowing how much furious jumping is a part oh of that movie. i didn't know yeah right no one does but it's like how could they have prepared you for it like I'm in glad the trailer that they didn't like i it was like such a funny surprise it's yeah it's it's a very funny surprise um there is uh, yeah i don't i mean it's just i if you haven't seen poor things and you don't know what to expect from the trailer, which is a good thing, yeah. you just have to watch it. Yeah. I mean, if you don't like seeing um, people make love on camera, <laughs> that's I don't know what's going on, but, but yeah, don't, you know, maybe don't see this movie, but um, yeah, the costumes and the production design and it's really cool. Yeah. I was thinking um, one of my main takeaways was like, do you think that Guillermo del Toro, like, died when he saw it yes. like do you think he was like oh my god <laughs> like oh, oh yes. freaking frankenstein like steampunk like monster love story oh my god i bet his eyes <laughs> rolled in the back of his head he started levitating in the alamo draft house wherever he saw it and he goes i'll never make a movie that is this good that has all of the things i love more in it yeah. in my life I was thinking of him. Wow, well, you were you were just a picturing in your mind's eye Guillermo del Toro. Has he, on the record, stated? I meant to look. I it almost up. think it's so much in his wheelhouse that he wouldn't. He is very laudatory of yeah. people who make good movies, but I almost think maybe he'd be like, Pissed. "Whoa, that is so close to my dream and ambition." It's sort of like, um, did you ever watch that movie? I can't even remember the movie he made. It was like a ghost story that was so bad I wanted to Crimson walk out Peak. of it. Crimson yeah. Peak. 
It's like, yeah. this is one of the worst <laughs> movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I, I, I really, I don't enjoy Guillermo del Toro for the most part. I like Nightmare Alley, yeah. but I'm grading it on a curve just because I have such a low bar for his yeah. movies. So I think you're right. He was probably <laughs> sitting in a theater going, God damn, I'm watching a masterpiece. Did you see he has a Frankenstein movie that they're about to make and... Um... Jacob Elordi is going to be Frankenstein now instead of... Jacob Elordi is going to be Frankenstein? I think it was going to be Andrew Garfield. My God. My. <laughs> Jacob Elordi's covering every track. <laughs> My God. I didn't. Did you watch Saltburn? Yes. Oh, did you like his performance in it? <laughs> I thought he was good. Okay. Like, he's just like a little hottie. Like, he didn't have to work that hard for that role. He was just like... You know, I guess maybe Frankenstein is a good role for him. You just stand there and barely utter words. I mean, words. he did Elvis. Yeah, I know. I didn't see Priscilla. Did uh, you see Priscilla? I liked it. Is he good in that? Yeah. All right, so maybe I'm being hard on Jacob Lordy. <laughs> I just think he's been vaulted to the stars pretty yeah. quickly, and yeah. I'm not under. I'm not fully aware did you of watch his Euphoria? merit. No, I didn't watch it. He's I, I watched scary it the first season. It. He is. Yeah, he's, he's like super evil. All right, well, I'll give him credit for being Frankenstein and Guillermo del Toro. I'm not going to judge him too harshly. I just think that it's all of a sudden it's Jacob Elordi season. He's the new Timmy, even though we still have Timmy. Um, when I was watching the Golden Globes <laughs> and I was watching Timmy um, kind of like flirt or, you know, whatever, he was yeah. like making kissy faces at which Kylie, Kylie Jenner. I was just like, I forgot Timothy uh, was an actor. <laughs> I was like, I was like. I, I wasn't expecting him to get an award. I wasn't expecting him to speak. Nominated for Wonka. Yeah, I just pictured him as like, oh yeah, that's Timothy Chalamet, the guy that just goes to all these things. He's like a more of like a, I don't know, like a guy who's on magazine covers that yeah. he is an actual actor. Yeah. Like, uh, I very much enjoyed watching uh, the lip reading and all that. Yeah. Um, did you did you get the final analysis of what it was? Uh, it sounded a pretty benign for the two of them. It was like her complimenting his top. And she said, I want to uh, get one. Yeah. She's like, I want one of those. And then he's like, I love you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have a, you know, sort of cynical take on that. You think they're bullshit? Well, yes. Okay. And then also like they, there's no reason why on camera, like right then you need to be looking lovingly in each other's eyes and saying, I love you. I love you. I want to marry you so bad. I love you more than life itself. When you know that's going to be filmed. Yeah. No one is so in love. No one in the world is so in love that you can't override that feeling in public yeah. and just be normal. I felt that way about the Taylor Swift, Selena Gomez conversation where Selena goes and whispers in Taylor Swift's ear and oh, she you... makes a face going, <gasps> you thought that was more for cameras. I mean, Obviously, that was going to get picked apart. <gasps> when Taylor went, <gasps> she goes, no fucking way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of like behind the scenes <laughs> moments. Like the Golden Globes were only good for all of those little stuff that they caught. Yeah. Like, in that tiny room. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. We don't need to get into how horrible that uh, show was. But um, yeah. And then alternatively, the Vanderpump crew went to the Emmys. Yeah, I wanted uh, to talk to you about that because it seemed like because it was, I didn't know it was the Creative Arts mm -hmm. Emmys, which are like... The Schmemmies. The Schmemmies. They're not film. <laughs> no, they're for like losers. No offense. I, yeah, I was <laughs> Like so people sad. we know went. I know. A lot of people <laughs> I know went. And I was like, the Emmys are on tonight? And then it's like, oh, it's the... Sh like you said. I think no. I got that from Kathy Griffin. She oh, called it the Schmemmies. Okay, well, no offense to the people, the award winners. No, it's of, like it's of, like the like down to brass tacks, the 
working I know, class but awards. I, it just felt for how much celebration there was about Vanderpump Rules getting an Emmy to have that relegated to this <laughs> night that we don't even see. And all I heard was just like what people said about their experience, but there's no record of it. There's no right. We don't get to see any of it. I heard that that Lisa Vanderpump had to announce her own category, and that and that Ryan Reynolds won for Wrexham Hall or whatever that show is. So she had to give Ryan Reynolds the. Why did they award. have her presenting her own it's category? The, like you said, it's the Schmimmies. They don't <laughs> have any rhyme or reason. And I heard also that Schwartz said that all of them independently announced different categories. Like Schwartz oh. went up and did a joke, and he they said needed. his joke bombed. Oh no! And he and he, when he was walking back to his table, he that katie said that was a really bad joke oh right she's mean to him i know she is uh i have to shout out my sister she's a gaffer on marvelous miss Maisel, and they won a cinematography shmemi but like the dp wins that but he shouted out my sister and i think she gets like a paper emmy that is so sweet what's a paper <laughs> emmy like i think her boss the dp wins this trophy but since she's on his team she gets like a certificate did you say your sister's a gaffer on yeah. it? Yeah. Whoa, that's amazing. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know she was a gaffer. Yeah. Can you Very um, few female gaffers. Uh, for sure. <laughs> and can you remind our little turtle cuties what a gaffer does on set? <laughs> She's basically the queen of lights. So like the DP is in charge of the camera, but obviously that is in partnership with lighting. Yes. So he expresses what lighting will work and she facilitates that is gaffer are gaffers technically g and e or no they're part of the camera department uh what is her union i think there's like an electric union okay yeah all right well not to get you in the weeds but congratulations (laughs) to your sister for that that is amazing so the vanderpumps heard her name potentially if they were paying attention I think they were probably. <laughs> um, they were, uh, yeah, I listened to, I don't know, one of the Vanderpump Rules podcasts. And they were just talking about how, like, you know, honored they were and how they felt like they were in, like, a new class to be at the Emmys now. You know, after being, like, only sure. getting, like, MTV Movie Awards for, like, Best Kiss or whatever. Yeah. They were like, this felt completely different. Right. I mean, they must because I was wondering, Ariana flew out for, like, 12 hours to go to the Emmys the shmemmies yeah and i was like she's been so busy for so long the way i would be like i'm not going to that i would have i wouldn't my counter i would have it's not like she was nominated i know but your show that you've been a part of for eight years or almost 10 years shmemmies i don't i never until you said (laughs) shmemmies i only thought of it as the emmy award show that doesn't get filmed yeah. You know, so I like I still think it's prestigious, prestigious. Yeah. Um, I would have if I was nominated for, you know, if I was a part of a show that got nominated, I would probably drop everything and fly. I know I, mean, I know I you're guess, I think she was probably anticipating a win. I mean, th- I think they should have won. I've never seen yeah. Ryan Reynolds's show, but I feel what like is that, that on Apple. It's an Apple show. And I feel like um, when a movie star uh goes down to television in terms of like takes on a television project the emmys wants to uh celebrate them so hard so that they will always consider tv a place that they can go you know that's safe and they'll get so many awards yeah so like ryan reynolds just instantly gets an emmy because he's a movie star who is on a tv show yeah i feel like yeah it was kind of i who were the other do you know the other nominees uh i don't like two shows I never heard of. Yeah, Wrexham. Yeah, whatever that is, and then it's just I don't know. I, it, it's undeniable that I'm not biased. Vanderpump was like the 
show of 2023. Like, it broke through They're touting it as, like, the number one cable show of 2023. It's like, if a show that no one's ever heard of breaks through for six months and has the power that has and becomes the most watched series on cable, you have to honor it. Right. That was a flop uh, choice. But, yeah, I was just thinking, if I was Ariana... I would do anything. She must just be so used to at this point being like savagely busy. Yeah. For me, I'd be like looking for any way out. I'd be like, can I skip that? Can I not do this? Like she, you know, ever since last March, it's been nonstop. And then the whole Dancing with the Stars thing, she never had time to come up for air. She had to rehearse at BravoCon. Right. um, Had to fly back. Then she's always back and forth from New York. Now she's doing Chicago rehearsals, came to LA for like 12 hours for the Emmys, flew back. And her run in Chicago starts in like a couple weeks. Yeah, it's a lot. And it's definitely seems daunting to, you know, me. Um, But I think that if the Emmys are sandwiched in between an already busy schedule where she thought she'd have two weeks off and then the Emmys are coming up, I think some people just would make, you know, room for that. Yeah. And, um, but you, you know, yeah, I mean, she's the busiest person in the world. Maybe she takes, um, cat naps. Yeah. Like Einstein. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Did, wasn't that Da Vinci? Da Vinci does that. Well, I think a lot of <laughs> I learned them, that from Seinfeld. <laughs> da Vinci did that? Uh, remember... Kramer for a while tries to just sleep throughout the day instead of overnight. Like where you get just insane. like t- 20 minute naps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can never do that. No, uh, I just hope that she doesn't um, like have a huge uh, come down after all of this because I feel like she might be out of necessity sort of addicted to the the chaos of the schedule. Like there's just been no time to actually think. Yeah. I would go insane. Yeah. I don't know, but we'll see soon because, you know, at some point, Ariana probably will have to have a break in her life, you know, after Chicago. How long does Chicago last? Did they say how long her run was? I think it's a couple months, maybe. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I don't know. So maybe Uh, she's just thinking like the fall is her time to rest. We'll see. Sending her energy. Me too. Um. Wait. Oh, we, we didn't talk about the Summer House trailer yet. But Oh, sorry. Do you want to talk about <laughs> Uh I just quickly want to say that there was huge news in the Chud Tunnel sector. Did you wait, see this? Wait. News from uh, the Chud Tunnel? Thinking under of New York circle? reminded me. Um, there was a Chud Tunnel discovered in oh. Brooklyn. Okay. Can you... <laughs> I only saw for a quick second that a Chud Tunnel had been... Um, created in new york but i didn't know anything about it and i didn't (laughs) pursue it further tell me what happened uh and to anyone that is like why are you talking about chud tunnels um on our patreon podcast villa rosa vip we have an entire um storyline uh well i mean uh, yeah a conversation a uh yeah what do you call it uh ongoing saga about documenting documenting (laughs) that there is a secret tunnel uh, underneath Villa Rosa that connects to Sir and that connects to Tom Tom and that used to connect to Pump that Ken and Lisa can use to navigate between those businesses without seeing a bunch of fans on their way. Yes. That's how you always can see how Ken and Lisa can just sort of pop up at any of their establishments and get home without being seen. Right. There's an underground network, you know, 
of tunnel systems similar to what the chuds use right (laughs) yes the underground dwellers um so i don't i didn't uh get to the bottom of exactly why this exists um but apparently i think it was out of a synagogue or a temple in brooklyn hasidic jewish men uh they built a tunnel that led from like the basement through to another location and it was illegal you know like they just they I think non-permitted new york doesn't want you to build tunnels I underneath guess it not. it's like that tunnel lady on tiktok that's getting canceled um what, she's been wait there's other people creating tunnels <laughs> you haven't seen the tunnel lady on tiktok no there's this woman that's building a, a tunnel out of her basement um she's like digging through the like the foundation and like into her neighborhood and for a while she was saying that she was an engineer but people have found out that she's like a software engineer whoa (laughs) and now people are starting to be like yeah like you might cause a sinkhole like of course this is bad so what so before i ask about tunnel lady (laughs) what was the purpose of the tunnel under the the synagogue i don't know but i saw there was this uh tweet of a man i think he was like a news guy or someone that he (laughs) was telling people and tweeting that he lives in a basement apartment and he was like for like all of last year he was like i'm hearing yiddish under my feet i there's no basement underneath me i live on the bottom floor and i'm hearing jewish conversations and everyone thought he was like going full like kanye like losing his mind Uh and we're like borderline gonna cancel him because they're like what are you talking about like he was like there's jews underneath me like whatever and then he like retweeted the news headline that there was like a secret jewish tunnel and he was like I'm vindicated. <laughs> One of the biggest I told you so's in history. If you doubted this guy's validity, he got totally validated. Um, wait, so uh, I think I was just going to say, I think if you are building a tunnel, which everyone has wanted to do at some point, yeah. you have to say the legitimate reason why you want it. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I honestly like tapped out when I couldn't find the answer quick well, enough. Well, that's the only that's the only <laughs> question I would have after reading that news. I was and like, Control F. Uh, so you reason. just wanted to know that the fact that they had tunnels was enough for you. I really want to know what Why? they were for. Right. So if any little turtle cutie, when you listen to this on Friday morning, if you've you <laughs> yeah, know, can you just not- comment? That's the new way I'm going to read the news. I'm just going to read the headline, say it on the podcast, and then and wait then like four her, days yeah. Yeah. for someone to explain it to me. I would love to know more, and but I didn't pursue it actively on my own. But if there's a little turtle cutie that's listening to this and you know why those tunnels were dug in New York City, let us know because I'm interested in it. Please. I get why Ken and Lisa have their tunnel. Right. It's so much more convenient than having to go out on the street and go back and forth between your businesses when there are a bunch of fans outside. Yeah. Um, well, I, no, I'm very intrigued though. You, uh, the fact that there's a Chud Tunnel update and then you were like, um, you know, there's one in New York and also have you seen the, the <laughs> tunnel stuff that's going on in TikTok? I just can't believe there's so much tunnel activity. Yeah. Uh, no, people are starting to turn on that TikTok woman. I'll send it to you. It's crazy. Okay. She has like a whole like mine she's building in her uh, like basement where there's like um, just like heavy duty tools. There's like a moat. There's like a um, like it's crazy. It's okay. really I don't know how she's alive or how her house but, hasn't has she explained why she has one. Yeah, what is her goal? I always just get the videos where she's like, "Today I'm working on X, Y, and Z." Yeah, you, so I don't, I've never the gotten to the bottom. The only question when someone is starting to say why they have a tunnel is, 
Why are you creating? Where are you going with it? Tunnels have a purpose. They're to get you from point A to point B underground. Right. It's very, uh, what was that movie called? The um, Chud movie of the year last year with Justin Long. Chud movie. That was a total Chud. We never (laughs) talked about it. Barbarian. I love Barbarian. Oh, you know, I didn't love it as much as you. No offense. I saw it twice. But, oh, good. I'm so glad. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad you found joy in it. But that was a total kind of Chud. Total Chud. Um, Better Call Saul. Did you ever watch Better Call Saul? Gus Fring. I don't know if you remember. He has has a Chud, a little (laughs) Chud tunnel from his fake house. Yes. That is actually running security on his house that he lives in. That was a fun reveal. It was so awesome. He built a tunnel underneath his house and he has fake people riding around on bicycles. Well, spoiler alert for Better Call Saul, but it's. (laughs) If you haven't watched it, you totally should. It's sick. It's so underrated and it's a prestige TV that no one talks about. I don't know why. You have to watch, I guess, Breaking Bad to understand it, but it's almost better than Breaking Bad. Binged it right before the final season. What a beautiful thing you did. Yeah. It's so wonderful. Well, good. That was tunnel talk. And <laughs> I feel good okay. about that. Do you let's now, chud over to Summer House? Let's do it. Let's take let's build a little tunnel from talking about entertainment at large and tunnels at large yeah. to Bravo News yes. at large. Would that be good to you? <laughs> the most relevant topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Summer House trailer, right before Amy and I sat down together, dropped for everyone. Yeah. I screamed. You screamed? Yeah. So I have to uh, I have to assume expectations were met slash exceeded, right? Yeah. I thought it looked really good. I thought it looked great too. And I forgot, as I'm watching Summer House, that, that trailer, I forgot how much I need Summer House back in my life and how mm-hmm. much of a drought it's been. Because mm-hmm. we see them all in their peripheral shows. Like we've seen Kyle. We've seen Amanda. We've seen Danielle. Yeah. But them all coming back to their home for the summer yeah. was very powerful. I know. I keep it's been so long since we've known that Carl and Lindsay have broken up that I forgot that we actually get to see it, even though we talk about it all the time. Yeah. Um, so getting a little tease of that conversation is extremely thrilling. Yeah, and we've we've thought about it so much of like how that actually happened or whatever but to get to finally see it in its full form and know everything about it is going to be amazing (laughs) yeah i posted this on instagram but uh lindsay reposted the key art where it's everybody in the cast and then it's her and carl looking at each other and smiling and she posted uh she's like fyi this photo was taken 12 days before he called off the wedding and we broke up as if to say that look how loving we are in this photo. Like as if the alternative would be, he was brooding in the corner, show, making it very clear that he was considering breaking up during the yeah. promo photo shoot. Yeah. Like as if he, <laughs> he would spin around and have his back to her, like looking mad during this, you know, photo shoot it is a little silly. And also um, she's using it as a, uh, to show how in love they seemed, but it's the exact same pose. They o- they always did back in the day where Lindsay has that over exaggerated laugh yeah face while she's like the happiest she's ever been it's like obviously that is not reflecting your true feelings right do you think she knows that do you think she has any awareness that she thinks people are gonna turn on her when she see when we see how it went down because in the trailer i love that carl got ahead of it he you know they show bits of their breakup conversation or whatever and he's just talking to presumably the crew and is like she's gonna try and spin this and say that she was blindsided and then it cuts to her on the phone being like i am blindsided yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, I, I love that he got ahead of that too. Like he he preempted the blindside conversation. He knew how she was going to spin this. Yeah, and um, like I feel like ever since then she's been on a campaign to prove that he's an asshole and it came out of nowhere when I assume that she knows that we're about to watch many months pass of them having huge issues. I feel like I, your your question was very... Um, thought-provoking because it was like will Lindsay does Lindsay expect the backlash that possibly will come once we see the full story I feel like Lindsay is so probably um, hardened to the response to her you know over these past eight seasons that I don't even think she cares what the mass audience thinks and she probably has like the 30% of the summer house fan base that absolutely loves her and rides for her. Yeah. And that's who she's playing for. Right. Like you talk about all the time, the, the Reddit community that are hub house stands. Yeah. And I feel like that's the audience that she knows she'll never, um, cross the line with and right. the rest of the world doesn't matter to her. Right. I mean, it's like with the Danielle stuff, she never took accountability no. for screwing her over ever to this day. No, she had uh, uh, Danielle was best case scenario for the friend that you could fuck over completely <laughs> and then have them come back to you. Danielle yeah. just didn't require very much at all. She was just there for Lindsay the minute Lindsay needed her. And then it was like, um, all is forgiven for right. me, Lindsay. I'll be there for you till the end of time. Pisses me off. I know. Um. <laughs> so, and it sounds like, okay, so we that is going to be the end of the season. We know that conversation happened like three right. days they after to, filming. Like, potentially pick up. So yeah. this is going to be structured similar to Scandaval on Vanderpump mm-hmm. Rules season 10, where we are going to see the inklings of this huge scandal that is going to take place. Do you think they're going to pull a three months earlier Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, the minute you said that, I'm like, yes, they are going to start. With, they are going to start with Carl knocking on the door to his house with the cameras behind him, and he goes, "Lindsay, I think we need to talk." <laughs> <laughs> Three months earlier, two months earlier. Um, the way I swear to God, I get way more excited in my bones about talking about Summer House than Vanderpump. I know Vanderpump's gonna be great. We're gonna give it our all, and it's gonna be highly entertaining. But like, I like. I care so much no. about this yeah. that if I'm being honest, I get like way more true excitement talking about Summer House. Uh, I, well, okay. Do you mean just in all time or in this era right now? Currently. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah. Because Vanderpump Rules is going to deal with the aftermath of a huge sensational event. The the Yeah, the aftermath. Yeah. Summer House is leading up to right. a huge event that we really care about. It's yeah. like it's way more um, exciting to be on the precipice of something huge that you know right. is going to happen than it is the downfall Looking of back. something. Yeah. And I do like that the, it looks like more than I even thought that Carl is teasing this happening when he's having his conversation with Kyle. It's I thought almost that Carl was going to be withdrawn and taking this all in stride and not really letting his true feelings out. But from this trailer, it seems like he's actively talking about the problems of the relationship. Yeah. I mean, they even have a scene where he's talking to, what, his stepdad who yeah. was going to marry them. And the, he said definitively, he was like, I would not marry you at this state. Yeah, he's like, I've married hundreds of couples. I've seen all kinds of relationships and I would not participate. That's, th- th- that is now... 
I am even more enticed than I already was just knowing that this is going to be a through line throughout the season. Carl did well to keep his feelings um, active throughout the season. Yeah. And yeah, it's going to be, I mean, I'm, I, I think I'm with you. I'm more excited for Summer House just because I know what we're gearing up for. Whereas Vanderpump Rules, I feel like they're going to be sort of spiraling because they don't know how to deal with how they created such a huge moment. What do we do now? To, yeah. You know what I mean? There's going to be that energy of like, well, we're all here. What are we talking about right. now? You know? Yeah. It's Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I really hope that Carl, I hope that the case is clear and that everyone finally has to eat shit and say their relationship was doomed oh. clearly. Oh. And Amy and Riley were right. It was rotten. Everyone. Knew all along. Everyone is going to be eating <laughs> shit, like you said, Amy. <laughs> Prepare to eat shit, Summer House fans. Um, we, we said it the minute that Rad House fell. The minute that Rad House fell, you and I were already <laughs> allowing a lot of nuance into our discussion just because of what we knew about Lindsay yeah. and her past actions. We really have been on the forefront of saying uh, most likely uh, this is not a hashtag blindside. Right. And it looks from the trailer that that is very much the case. There were huge hints. And Lindsay, like we said doesn't consider any fight that they had to be egregious enough to like end a relationship. She thought once we're in a relationship, that's it. We never have to think about anything again. You are my person and we're getting married and we're flying to the moon together and our beautiful relationship. And that's not how Carl acted. No. Carl's like, this is concerning. Right. There's the moment in the trailer when she's like, this is our year to have fun because who knows where we'll be next summer. I could be pregnant. And they cut to Carl and his face is like, it's like the woozy emoji with like the like, the like drunk face of like, <laughs> he's dead silent and he's has a, a painted on smile on his face with his eyes are not matching. Sick. <laughs> I he's like, Oh dear God. No, you're right. You're getting me, you're getting me hyped up as hell. And I also love that we're going to be, we have two such, um, like uh, powerful things to talk about at the same time. It's going to be Vanderpump and then three weeks later, Summer House. Like I'm very excited for that era. It's going to be very good. No, it's going to be great. And it looks like it's fun too. Like there's some new additions, which TBD, but keep it sexy. Looks like there'll be some drama just from, you know, like the hookups of it all or whatever. Keep keep it sexy. Um, They definitely had a huge drought of single men last season. Mm -hmm. Chris was the only new addition. And it sounds like Chris is out on his ass. Yeah. It's not, I don't think he... He was too polite. Yeah, and and I don't think he uh, made people want to... He wasn't... He's kind of like JT and Rod, where yeah. no one was so compelled to want to you know, make love to him. Right. Except, that, didn't we see... We saw that Maya and... Um, Maya and Chris yeah. at BravoCon... Were dating. Had, were dating. Yeah. In the throes of Straight romance. Up. Kissing. Maybe they'll visit. Yeah. Or oh, something. Oh, you think both... Oh, oh. Oh, it looks like Maya. I don't think she was in the key art. Oh, man, I really loved Maya. Me too. She was so cool and good on Summer House. I feel like she got such a bad rap. I don't no, know she was what cool. people were thinking about Maya. She that, was like a normal human being, but not boring. Th- yeah, that was just fun and actually legitimate friends with everybody and didn't wasn't like outrageously, you know, entertaining or whatever. But maybe Bravo kind of uh, penalized her. Penalized? Penalized mm-hmm. her for having that oh. conversation off camera mm-hmm. when she told that guy that cheated on her eight times or whatever right. that you know not to have that conversation on camera right yeah well we'll see hopefully she drops in that would be nice what did you think about i mean it sounds like kyle and amanda 
go through it a little bit. Um, yeah. Like causing Kyle to cry ab- about their relationship. And also Sierra, I- I'm sure with in co- within context that that slight against Amanda won't sound too um, horrible when she said, do you feel like you have an identity outside of Kyle? Because I don't think you do. Right. Maybe it's just after a I bet it's about like with... Loverboy or something. Like oh, yeah. her life is 24 seven Kyle. But um, did you also notice on Instagram, the trailer, that's where I watched it, but they did a quick um, montage of them posing for the key art. And for some reason they put a sun emoji over um, Amanda's belly. But then, so I was like, is that like some sort of a little wink that she's pregnant or something? But then when you look at the key art photos from that same shoot, she's slender as can be. So who put a sun over her on the Bravo Instagram? When you watch, it's just a quick cut of everyone posing. And for some reason there's a sun emoji over Amanda's stomach. Do you think that was wait on winter house? They definitively say they're not pregnant, right? Right. So it wasn't like, and it's like to our knowledge, she's, I assume that photo shoot was a while ago. Um, wow. But I also noticed when I went to her page, she doesn't post on the feed very much. So, um, and she mostly wears sweats. So who knows what's going on? I don't know if that was just a weird little Bravo, whatever, but Bravo. I think you have to explain yourself for why you put a sun. <laughs> was it an emoji or yeah, a graphic? Emoji. Explain why you put a sun emoji <laughs> over Amanda's uh, stomach, but then didn't carry that on to the other photos. It was weird. Yeah. Strange. Okay. Um, and, Okay, well... Was that everything uh, good and worthy of speaking about in Summer House? I mean, there was a little bit of that guy, new guy hitting on Paige. Right. And then Paige saying to Craig, what did she say to Craig? I I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some complaint about him never doing X, Y, and Z. I'm sure that will also, you know, within context will be fine. (laughs) It seems like the new guy is going to be... Hopefully he's not problematic, but it sounds like um, he's aggressive. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. Well, it looks good. Um, I, I mean, it looks great. And my expectations are exceeded. It looks, yeah, it looks like awesome. It looks so good. Um, and I think the final big, not big topic, but both of us did listen to Rachel Goes, goes Rogue? Going Rogue? Rachel Goes. Actively Goes Rogue. Yeah. I listened to it when I was driving around the other day and um, it's not good. Okay, um, in what way did you find it not to be good? Um, I don't understand its purpose, still. Right. Um, the producer talks throughout while not having an as good of microphone. So it sounds like they're like chiming in, but they're actively chiming in for the whole hour. That was my biggest complaint about the format. Um, at some point... Who is that person? Yeah, at some point Rachel is talking. She basically is a co-host. Yeah, she's going for like five minutes about what the premise of the podcast is and that she didn't want to do this and that she was sort of like really encouraged to do this like the day before or whatever. Then at some point a producer just chimes in and starts asking questions, but they're never introduced who they are and they're, it's basically an interview. It should have been a, it should have been called Rachel gets interviewed or whatever, you know, like, Yes. All and they are are asking the most provocative questions that anybody who cares about Scandaval would ask her. And she's just answering questions. Yeah, it's like Bethany 2.0. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... I don't know who this person is. Uh, it's essentially she just re- reviews and recaps the origin of her and Tom hooking up. Goes into great detail. It's very salacious. Yeah. And I'm like, you're just exploiting yourself in a different format. At this rate, you should have just gone back on the show, gotten your 250K or whatever it was. Like, 
you're not doing like a self-help podcast you're telling us like where you had sex if uh ariana was home while you made out in the pool like it's down and dirty i concur with that i really feel like i heart took advantage of Rachel, because, and even if they didn't, and there's more, you know, like behind the scenes stuff that led into this, the way she said it was like, I didn't want to do this. I almost just completely bailed. She said she almost bailed the day before. And then she's like, I don't really know what I'm going to talk about here. And then the producers just go, So when did you first hook up with? They didn't say it like that, but (laughs) it's like, yeah, you, you just are letting iHeart producers create a very provocative podcast with you answering questions for them. Right. And you know, she keeps like, they'll get into the details of like when they hooked up, like how long it went on, where they hooked up, like blah, blah, blah. And then every time she says something, the producer goes, we'll get into that on further episodes. I'm like, so that's the premise of this podcast is us talking about their affair for right. weeks and weeks. Uh, another, another, um, criticism is how will this format be sustainable rachel is just going to answer questions for the the remaining episodes until she just has talked about every single aspect of this it's like you should have established what the format is immediately if it's going to become a self-help podcast the first episode has to reflect what this is going to be because nobody has any idea what the fuck this is no no it's not sustainable no and i'm like i don't think i can listen to it again even though part of me is curious to see if it turns into anything. Like I'm like morbidly curious of just where they take it. Not that I'm desperate for the information because we already knew most of it, which is basically, which I'm also like, girl, why are you trying to piss people off again? She reveals that uh, they went out to the Abbey or whatever. Mm -hmm. She drove him home. Uh, He was locked out. Yeah. They went around the back to try and get in around the back. He goes, you know what's the best thing about my pool? It's heated. And they swim in their underwear while Ariana's sleeping. Yeah. They make out in the pool. They Tom freaks out because he's like, oh, God, what do I do? What have we done? And she's like, this is awkward. I don't want to talk about this uh, here. Let's go back in my car. And they <laughs> fuck in her car. Right. It's so wild. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up because I was going to ask you what you thought about this story. I just did a to speed me, timeline. No, no, that was amazing to me. I, I mean, I, there's a lot of merit to hearing that. I mean, yeah, I had not heard we all had heard of those like details. We heard like the bits and pieces. Yeah, but this, I got, I loved hearing the full timeline. That is how <laughs> they had sex the first time ever after In her car, presumably just like parked on his what block. If, what if Ariana had had you know woken up from some nightmare you know at three a.m. and peeked out of her blinds in the back and seen Rachel and Tom it's making insane. out in her pool? In she their was underwear. literally like me 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 me. <laughs> Huh, <laughs> also, and somebody, sleeping cap. Yeah, exactly. Someone was like, "Why didn't Tom Sandoval have his keys?" And that's a detail He's that like I didn't idiot. even think about. Like, wh- what? Yeah, I was wait. like, he probably gets locked out constantly. I mean, I, yeah, there, there's a lot of questions. They also talk. strike me as a keyless entry household. I know. I'm surprised I, they don't have. I just, a I just thought, code. like, oh shit, I can't get in. Is that a was that a tactic of him? His like just to get her in the pool or whatever. And she was like, she gave every detail. She was like, and I was like, do you have towels? And he was like, yeah, we have towels <laughs> on the side of the house. I was like, why are you including I, this? I, I'll take it. I love <laughs> details like that. I love knowing that Tom Sandoval and her talked about where the towels were after they got done swimming <laughs> in the pool. I love that she said I played music and Tom Sandoval told me to turn it off. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I those 
I love, I really love getting the the details of, of the paint. I love, I got a picture painted. Which by again, it. I'm basically like, you are just giving us spoken word Vanderpump rules. Like yeah. you are just you're, giving you, us what we didn't see. Your main, po- your what you said, which I just blew past, is so right. If you were gonna do this, Rachel, and let iHeart give you money based off you having a provocative podcast where you answer everything in your own words, you really could have done this on Vanderpump Rules. They mm-hmm. would have given you the leeway to tell your story. I know you don't, you have trouble articulating yourself or whatever. You know, you have a hard time and you didn't think your story could come across well. But I feel like that would have been the better outlet because now you look like this outsider figure that no one has to listen to. But if she would have been on Vanderpump Rules, she had a way better chance of getting yeah. her story told. And these details to me add nuance to the uh, the black and white uh, characterization we have of Sandoval and her. Right. You know, this this added more. I mean, the James shit is to me the most interesting stuff. Right. Yeah, she goes into big detail about the dog. Yes. A lot of it we already knew. Well, um, I for, I didn't know or I forgot. Everyone says uh, we already knew that, and I'm like, okay, I guess I knew it. But hearing it again, that rescue after <laughs> after the dog after Graham Cracker hippie could not was biting everyone in yeah. his path, biting yeah. everyone <laughs> yeah. that he was. He was like, here, you can have him, and he bit that person. Yeah, they microchipped and saw that Rachel Levis was the owner. They said, huh. <laughs> Would it be amazing if we contacted Vanderpump Dogs because she's a former cast member and gave this dog to Lisa to see what she wants to do with it? I have to say. Put them on the show. (laughs) Yes. But I have to say, is that ethical? Right. Is it ethical? I know a lot of people say whatever was best for Graham Cracker and now he's having the best life. That that could have been a superhero moment. Like, I'll give you, I I can imagine a world where that is like the best thing they've ever done because now Hippie is -hmm. living the life of leisure and luxury and fun. But is it ethical for them at the time, not knowing this was going to be the outcome, to find out who the person was, which they had a rule. They even signed a rule saying we would not out the celebrity that gave us this dog. To then contact someone who shares the show that they're on that could potentially end up being a storyline and give Graham Cracker back to the person that Rachel says mistreats him. Right. In her, that's her, allegedly. That's her characterization of him. Yeah. I've heard, like, she mentioned also that, like, maybe they were originally reaching out to Lisa for a donation like that was the, oh. at least their guys oh you know hey just so you know there's something interesting going on here at right. our rescue <laughs> uh, or yeah I'm very curious what their total logic was but I also am very curious about whether or not there's any truth to James being a bad dog owner because that would be very important for me to know where does your heart lie on that matter I don't know because I mean he outwardly as we discussed last week is an animal lover he I think in my opinion you asked me I, I want <laughs> Riley's your face is I, turning I, I you we, we talked about this last week and I didn't get a lot of blowback so I'm fine pursuing this uh, more actively uh did when did we know James? You think was he's it? hashtag animal cruelty? No, absolutely not. <laughs> never in my life would I have ever said that. Ever in my life. Don't ever clip this and make it seem like I said yes to that. Um no, I don't. But hashtag animal lover, I didn't know him and Lala shared this mm-hmm. this affinity that that transcend is one of the cornerstones of their personality i didn't know that about you i'm i'm sorry if james has been actively saying all along (laughs) that he is uh uh, passionate about i just watched i um, just remember sorry 
no, 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 no. I was just saying, like, I did not know that was a cornerstone of his per- personality. And I have to say, I, oh man, it's now I'm like just in a it. position. Okay. I don't think everything Rachel is saying on her podcast is a lie. Uh-huh. I believe that there were instances where James Kennedy, whether he was drunk off his goddamn ass or yeah. not, might have mistreated Graham Cracker in Rachel's eyes. Can uh-huh. we at least allow for that reality? Yeah. I'm sure there's something there. I just, um, I, um, we know it's kind of like a child, uh, like a custody court case yes. or something where it's like anatomy of a fall yes. <laughs> where it's like a Rashomon. Yeah, exactly. So when under Rachel's care, Graham was injured and oh, true. she was very shady about what happened. Yeah. She got out in a questionable manner. Like what was she doing? True. Uh, yes. Uh, James was extremely upset about that in what I could only see in an honest way he got like extremely emotional it didn't feel showy to me it felt like you're right he like imploded he was so upset about it so i that was the first time i was like whoa he like is really sensitive about animals whether or not that means he's always a perfect owner maybe not but then um like all the drama of like because we all during this graham cracker hippie thing Uh started to scrutinize like did she uh bring him over to uh, mm-hmm. Tom and Ariana's house was that bite from their dog when, you know, she was out and about doing shit with Tom. Where was the dog? Um, you know. Yes. It, there's question marks. And then, yeah. obviously, he got left with her family while she was at rehab or whatever, which is fine. Um, I tend to think, obviously, if they keep toting this dog around who's, like, anxious and fucked up and he keeps getting moved from home to home like yeah he's gonna like bite every new place he goes because he doesn't know what the fuck is going on like he's been in like a very stressful situation yeah um some someone on tiktok rightfully said which it negates everything i've been saying which is that rachel gave up her right to care about where graham cracker ended up based on what she did yeah and even though it was worst case scenario for it to for hippie to get back on vanderpump rules as a full-time cast member (laughs) uh it doesn't matter right because she literally signed off so that's that almost is like okay end of discussion and i accept that reality but just to hear rachel talk about james when we have this number one guy in the group, new philosophy, which I don't, you know, which we talked about last week. It's just, I appreciate Rachel being candid and I think she's being 90% honest when she talks about these things. Yeah. She kind of implied that there's things she wasn't saying, which I was kind of afraid of. Um, But mainly she had previously said that James likes getting bitten by the dog. Yeah. I think she said that again, Uh which was, is weird. And I need more details. She said that when he would go into a blind, drunken rage, uh, Graham would hide under the couch, which was a very sad image. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I know that's. I mean, uh, is that a is that a fact that you um, you know dispute that he would? I get, believe that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just saying those are the kind of things where I'm just like, I'm like, ultimately, I'm like, maybe neither of you needed to have a fucking dog at yeah. that time. Like, I yes. take having a dog. I'm 35 right. years old. And I still don't have a dog because I'm like, I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, I have two of those creatures and it is it impacts your life in every way. And yeah. it affects every decision you make. And it's every at least out- halfway to a child, I say. Yeah, and every 
hour that you're out of the house, you think about them yeah. and who they and who takes care of them and everything. So you're probably right that Rachel, where she was in her life, was just the worst time to have a dog, and she did something semi irresponsible by letting Graham Cracker just go. Th- throughout the rescue process without her actively being involved in this decision. And then it could have ended up possibly with Graham being euthanized. Right. And now this could be best case scenario. And maybe James, I'm ending on a happy ending. James has worked <laughs> through his biting issues and now he doesn't like to be bitten as much. Or maybe Allie looked at him and goes, Hey James, uh, I think that's not how we interact with hippie now, just right. so you know, and could be best case scenario. And obviously for hippie, this is best case scenario. Totally. So I mean, Allie, I do trust. I trust Allie too. I, yeah. I trust Allie fully. And Cat Allie, Mama, what'd you say? She has kitties. True. So all this to say, I was <laughs> I I let some uh, new shading come in to by what Rachel gave me, but ultimately I think she does not have the right now to criticize where Hippie ended up, and yeah. it could possibly be a full blown happy ending that we'll love to see on the show. Yeah. Um, I know I, it's crazy. I, I'm like, I know that dogs get put down for various reasons. I feel like that seems like illegal. I, I, I agree there. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it's awful. Like, like, it's like this dog is irredeemable. There is no environment this dog could yeah. ever have a life. Like, I so understand if you like it, bit a baby's face off or something, but like, I'm like, he bit Rachel's mom. She'll get over it. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously looked horrible, what the, the the bite or whatever, but it's like, isn't there any, like, ranch in Montana that is filled with all the worst dogs in the world, yeah. and there's this one rancher guy who's the meanest man in the world, but he loves dogs so much, even if they're so evil, and they yeah. all get to He's live like in a, a big... bronco buster. He's a bronco buster for bad dogs. Yeah. Like, isn't she there... was shading Lisa for claiming she has a ranch. Oh, she did. We didn't bring up uh, multiple times. Rachel did a LVP impression, which I can't do an impression of her impression. It was horrendous. It's like when I try to do it on Patreon. <laughs> what well, you can't imagine a worse Lisa. She has such a characteristic voice. You do a good Lisa. Rachel's was very bad. It's worth listening to her podcast just to hear that impression. Yeah. It's kind of incredible. Um, but she said that Lisa was like, if we can't place graham he'll live out the rest of his days on my ranch and rachel was like you don't have a ranch and i'm like i think she meant villa rosa <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that's semantics right ranch yeah. um what did you think about uh when she again said how lisa <laughs> wanted to have the rachel scene happen when she oh, right. when she texted her what do you think about that yeah she felt like lisa was trying to bamboozle her and she was like I want you to come explain to me why you left sir so abruptly. And I'm like, it all comes back to like, ultimately Lisa's like, if you stop working at sir without notice, that's the thing I will take to my grave. I think, yeah, of course. I think Lisa is such a good producer, obviously, and she's so producer minded. And that's why all of the shows she's on are, are great for the most part. But that scene <laughs> would have been very bad. That would have been on the cutting room floor if yeah. Rachel showed up with a huge bouquet and go, Lisa, I'm so sorry for how I left, sir. I know I clocked out one day and never came back, but you have to understand there was a lot going on. That scene would be so bad. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine though? But you can just imagine. You're right though. I think, I think if, like you said, and it, it struck me ever since you said it, I think Rachel would have had a much better chance just going on the Vanderpump Rules season 11 trajectory and letting the world have their 
view of her potentially changed by what she said in her interactions with the cast member. I feel like that would be almost the same thing that she's doing now, except it would be, I think, more possible for her to have um, a good ending. Yeah. Based on, you know, like I, I think people are are waiting potentially would have been waiting for Rachel's side. Right. And at least she has history with those producers, which whether or not she trusts those people, I don't know why she wouldn't. They didn't do anything to her. Well, I don't know. She did say that the producers were like, hey, Rachel, this would be a really good time to start filming. They're all in Lake Tahoe having a really fun time. <laughs> I think you'd really like to be on the show now. And then she said that's when she found out that <laughs> Graham Cracker was there. So she would have showed up to Lake Tahoe yeah. and seeing Elisa giving right. uh, you know, hippie to James. Yeah, that, would... that sounds good. But it's like now she has to reacquaint herself with a new group of vulture producers yes. that it... have like new you're, intentions. You're right. And maybe different ethics and different standards. And like, this is not for the long haul. I mean, I think right. we can almost Like predict. Bravo kind of has to watch their ass a little bit now about the ethics of the way they approach things. They do. Um, so I feel like she would be in better hands, but we, we saw the producers at, um, Vander, the Vanderpump, uh, BravoCon yeah. for Vanderpump Rules. And I have to say there was not a hint of evil. No, they uh, were respectable human they, beings. And again, I've said it before, people that participate in these shows are grown adults that know what they're doing. Rachel might be the rare exception of, uh, yes. someone who doesn't understand the game, yeah. but they work in partnership with the producers. I would have helped. I mean, you and I, like, this the, <laughs> This could have all been avoided if Rachel Levis, Rachel, if you're watching Turtle Time, you should have just called she Amy might. and I. When she, I want you to. <laughs> DM me on Instagram or DM Turtle Time. You should have called us the minute Vanderpump Rules started. I would have first said, the, the minute you got the contract, I would have said, you're not going to make as much as Ariana and Tom. I don't know no. what you're thinking. They, that would screw up all of the rates for all future cast members. You can't have that. Season 11 is the only way you're going to get your story heard in the avenue that it was first presented to the world. This is your only chance for salvation. Call me every day after filming, and I'll tell you how to strategic me and Amy, <laughs> yeah. to strategically run through this if you don't feel like you have anyone you can trust on the show. And right. I feel like we could have yeah. helped. So I'm Liaison. sorry. So Vanderpump Rules season 12. Yes. Right? Because she, she could, I mean. Yeah, there's come still, back around. Yeah. 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 One season, I mean, one season they're going to be talking about her a lot, but season 12, I mean, she could still come back. It's true. Cool. Um, all right. One Should, hour. Just one hour. I'm ready for a certified turtle piss break. Okay. And then we'll enter Salt Lake Reunion Part 1. Salt Lake Reunion. Yeah. Let's piss our brains out and then come back. <laughs> Great. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
We're back. Hi. Salt Lake City. Salt Lake, part one out of three. Three parter. Yes. The sign of true quality, right? <laughs> Hopefully. Sometimes they're too long. I agree. They became the standard very quickly after it was unprecedented. Then all of a sudden it was like three parts. Now basically means a good to excellent season and two parts. It's basically like, whoa, we need to retool. <laughs> yeah. Um, was was Roni was two parts, right? Uh, it couldn't have yeah. been one part. So, I mean, if Roni got two parts, yeah. you know that Southern Charm is only two parts? It is. Yeah. Well, probably because they've been talking about the same thing the whole time. So it's like, what is there left to parse? Yeah. But so do you think that's indicative? I'm sorry, but do you think that's indicative of Southern Charm's quality? No, I don't really like, you don't if anything, I'm like, they do three too easily. I think so too. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you can get it in two, why not go for two? Yeah. And we shouldn't Relieve have- us. Relieve us. And we shouldn't have this, um, you know, this, this, what's that called? <laughs> we shouldn't have this thought that three parts reflects a, an amazing season. Yeah. I mean, I understand for this why they would milk it because- it's been such a huge yeah. thing. Like maybe without reality Von Tees, it would have only been two. Yeah. You know? I mean, I guess this is a good time to ask, what would this season have been without Monica? I mean, she brought the fire even without reality Von Tees. Yeah. It would have been a good season even without that. That was on literally the last episode. Right. Right. Reality Von Tees was like an added bonus to the Monica arc, but yeah. Monica alone is well i don't want to say alone but monica is maybe a huge factor in why season four was amazing yeah and if she had been removed and only angie k had been hired i mean i don't i don't know how well we would regard this season right. um right. it would have been a lot of whitney's horrible feuds that she starts with everyone that were complete garbage mm -hmm. angie k would have gone after uh, meredith which i think is not very entertaining yeah. at all like, I don't really know. I, I it I guess it sucks for the cast of Salt Lake City that they had a new cast member come in right after Jin Shaw when they were going to have to prove themselves on their own to then have a new cast member bring the fire and make this one of the best seasons because they still haven't been judged on their own merits without a huge explosive event happening. Right. Yeah. I still don't know. If they will be able to bring her back. Okay. I think you're, I'm actually, I was so sure of myself and I've been wrong a hundred times on Turtle Time. I'm, anytime I have a really strong reaction to something, I'm like wrong for the most part. I was so sure, but the way Monica is handling herself post finale in the real world, mm -hmm. it's like she's sabotaging herself to I where I, I don't know if she heard already that she can't come back because she like lied to producers or she burned right. some bridges because she's acting like she's not coming back. Right. Yeah. Unless it, that's to tease us. It's weird because yeah, my first impression was first that Andy's being way nicer to her than I thought he was going to be. Like he's treating her. I didn't think he was going to like give her the cold shoulder, but he's giving her like total kindness. Why did and, you like, think he would give her? The I don't know. I shoulder. thought he'd give her some attitude about like lying or like kind of treating her a little bit like a villain or like, that what she did was outrageous, but he's being like very kind to her. Like, well, I think he's l reacting to her like we are, where it's like if the reality of Auntie's reveal hadn't happened, 
he, you're still giving her cr- so much credit for how sure. beneficial her presence was on, sure. on this season. But it's like he's not like like acting towards her that she's like he's fired up and like no. this is spicy. He's being like nice and like talking about like her family and yeah. like just like giving her and- kindness. And then all of her answers to him are very like shrug. Like, and then, I mean, we'll get into it, but it definitely felt like self-sabotage when she says that she auditioned for the show because, would she say the show sucked and the ratings were a flop or whatever? Yeah, she said, um, you need me because your show sucks and your ratings are pure shit or whatever. Yeah, and it was going to get canceled and Andy Andy goes, er? Andy goes, um, did the show suck and the ratings were shit or whatever? Um, it was... I was like, why would you say that in front of Andy? So why? You know he cares about that kind of thing. Yeah, of course. He hates when people insult... <laughs> he hates when people call into question anything about production. He hates when they throw producers under the bus. He hates anything like that. So her saying that um, was awful to say. But why is Monica acting as if she won't be back and burning all these bridges and talking about all the behind-the-scenes garbage that Bravo hates when, if I was betting, I would say absolutely she would come back. Why? Why is she Why is she doing all this horrible <laughs> shit to make her chances of coming back not good? Right. Yeah, I don't know. It, she's acting very put upon and, like, betrayed or something. Is she? I don't know if just, like... I don't know. I felt like the whole time she was sitting very like smug. I yeah, I don't like I don't like her smugness. So I thought Monica overall did a great job uh, in this part. Just just overall like being calm and having good, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're called insults, but good. Mm-hmm. She was she was handling herself very well right. for someone who has been fully vilified and everyone hates. There's been a lot of people that have been in this position before, and I don't think they've handled themselves as well as Monica did. You can still see her strong personality shining through at this reunion. She's doing yeah. a good job. And she earned that hot seat. Yes. Do you think she would have been in that seat without Reality Von Tees? Yeah. You do? I really do. I think Reality Von Tees was just icing on the cake to um, an amazing Monica season, regardless of what she did. It was just like she brought even an extra amount of, of you know, um, I don't know, conflict at the I very like end. After a first RV. season participant almost never gets the first seat. Yeah, people were like highlighting some like very powerful first season cast members. Kenya was one. Okay. Brandy was one. Like people who just like shined immediately and monica has to be in you know that category yeah um i liked so one of the highlights to me was yeah she said that (laughs) she was saying that she auditioned for the show just like everyone else um and everyone else was like i was recommended i was referred like i'm the one that brought the show to salt lake and she's like i emailed the it was like casting at (laughs) bravo.com or whatever yeah yeah i mean go go ahead but i have questions but yeah yeah um and they were all saying that she schemed her way on she was like i literally emailed and andy was like what did you email and that's when she was like I said that your show is shit, like the ratings are flop and it's going to get canceled. And then they go, Monica's actual email. And it was like, hi, reaching out in regards to your casting call. I would love more info on what needs to be done or how to move forward. You guys need a feisty excommunicated Latina on the show immediately. I'm your girl. Right. There's like 10 exclamation points. I was like, there was not a drop of attitude in that email. Absolutely not. Um, It was a full lie. And now I can say we already knew Monica was a liar, like 
that's that's one of her main characteristics now that she lies. Yeah. And you can't believe anything she says. And this was an easy one to not lie about. To just say, I reached yeah. out to casting and sent a normal, nice email or right. whatever. I emailed casting. She did not have to say specifically that she put down the show to get on it. And then you yeah, see this she's actual like email. trying to be an agent of chaos. Yeah. And it was, it's a nice email. I mean, obviously, the minute I heard that, I was like, wait, you wouldn't really insult the show to casting because they would be like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, I am not putting this person on the show that like criticized our work. Work, what would you do as a casting director if you got an email that was like your show's a piece of shit you need me on it i would say fuck <laughs> off never email me again no i'm just saying i would just not respond to it but also it was like kind of bad like if i was getting that as an email like i don't know i would you include a reel or you talking to the camera like a video file and like photos of you i i wouldn't be so enticed by just being Okay, a feisty excommunicated Latina. That's the only information she actually gave about herself. Right. But that anyway, almost seemed like a second email because you, yeah, you're right. she was saying, like, what are next steps? So I feel like there had to have been an original I don't, I don't know. It email. sounded like first to me, reaching out in regards to your casting call would love more information on what needs to be done. That's true. Um, on how to move forward. I felt like it's a good email. And, and yeah. um, I, I guess I would probably have said, yeah, I'll look into you as a potential cast member. Right. Um, what she needed to put was like, I worked for Jen Shaw. Is that interesting? Of, to you? Is that at all of interest to you that I was one of the people that um, called the feds on Jen Shaw? <laughs> um, and then, yeah. So in uh, in addition to that of her lying about how she got on the show, she also lies about her intentions um, on why she was working with Jen Shaw. She will not clearly state that the reason why she started to work with Jin Shaw was because Jin Shaw was filming season one and she wanted to be on Salt Lake City more than anything in the yeah. world. She cannot admit that. Yeah, why is she lying through her teeth like this? Like, she said that she worked for free for right. Jin Shaw. So she was like, and I was her friend, and this is what friends do. Friends act as an unpaid intern <laughs> and do all of the work for their friend when she does have, I mean, someone said it, it's like, Andy said it. It's like you left your four kids to go work at a place every single day that didn't pay you. I know. He was like, why? And then uh, Heather tried to, uh, you know, catch her in a lie and was like, so it wasn't because you wanted to be like Kim Kardashian who started as an assistant or whatever. And she goes, no. And then she's like, I have again, where is this this audio coming from? There's so many like Tanisha. Okay. So, She's just, everyone is secretly, her and Tanisha are secretly recording everyone at all times. Yeah. I mean, I so. They live in hell. It's, it's a den of vipers, like we <laughs> talked about. It's a den of vipers. Um, Tanisha and Monica were just waiting for the day that they could throw each other under the bus for this reality Von T's account. Tanisha, the minute there was even a whiff that Heather got of Monica's um, origin, Tanisha was like, like, was like, she's the worst person in the world. Here's everything she's ever said about you. This is like the end of Sopranos. Like everyone is like wearing a wire. Everyone's like, can't trust anyone. Carlos flipped. <laughs> You're like, who the hell is Carlos? Um, no, no, exactly that. So Tanisha sent a minute uh, immediately. This is all the shit that's happened after the finale. Tanisha sent every audio recording she had to Heather. Heather teed that up again. Uh, amazingly we're being like using her own words that she had recorded against yeah. her and then Monica has no idea what the hell she said she's probably said a million things to yeah. Tanisha yeah. never in the, her wildest <laughs> dreams did you think she would have that exact quote quoted back to her and it's like <laughs> just so you know Kim you know who else started out as an assistant Kim Kardashian and I want to be just like her I'm starting out which also like isn't incriminating no wait, wait, like, wait, wait, wait no to say that 
look like Kim Kardashian started as an assistant and look at her now. Well, I'm like, that's is, not right, salacious. Right, just nothing, admit it. Nothing is lamer than saying you always wanted to be on the show. Like nothing sure. is lamer than, and then, but then all of that is completely deflated because she says, I, I emailed casting. I wanted I to be on the show. She goes, why wouldn't and, I want to be on the show? Right. It's like, okay, then just state your full intentions. Obviously, some part of working with Jin Cha was about having residual um, attention about the, the show being filmed around you. That's why you did it. Right. And then when you discovered Jin Cha was a monster and you saw what shady shit she was doing, you turned into a spy, a rat. She's a rat. Yeah. If Tony Soprano had <laughs> her and his crew, she would be, oh, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> I will not. She'd be, be with Big Pussy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Her. <laughs> She would share a similar fate with Big Pussy. Um, it's, she, she is a rat, and Angie calls her a rat. And I'm almost like, yeah. you're a rat because you would have probably ratted out what the Salt Lake City cast in season four were doing behind the scenes. Like, if you ever hated Heather at season four and you would have had a fight about something else, you would have been the person to use some behind-the-scenes sh- footage to get Heather to uh, some incriminating shit about Heather, just like they said Jen Shaw did, yeah. you know, about her. Um and then also she's a rat in terms of she's an actual rat in Jin Shaw's <laughs> camp in the old definition right. of what that means mm-hmm. in like the the mafia mm-hmm. language she's a rat. Yeah. Did you I watched it on regular TV and then I casually watched it on Peacock. Me too. There was like I always get so confused when I rewatch the like unedited extended or whatever because I'm like did I just not see any of this because the whole introduction on the Peacock version was like a huge chunk about Jen Shaw yeah and I was like that wasn't on the regular episode right like I'm not forgetting it wasn't and it's uh it was valuable because um Heather and Lisa and Meredith talk about the power that Jen Shaw had over them and Heather specifically says I think Jen Shaw is guilty but she never stopped proclaiming her innocence until she pled guilty on the stand and they found out in the news that she had pled guilty right like she literally was like walking to the car to go to court and was like i'm not guilty (laughs) and and still said and still said i pled guilty because that's the best deal i can get which i have found out in my time on earth that no one pleads guilty to get a better deal if they didn't actually do it. Why would you, (sighs) if you specifically are innocent of charges and you know that in some way you could, it could be found out that you are innocent. Why would you ever plead guilty even for the best deal in the world? Right. It's just a a thing that guilty people say (laughs) to have reasonable doubt. You shouldn't be allowed to say you're not guilty. If you've pled guilty, you shouldn't be allowed to say in any form ever. It should be an additional (laughs) charge for you to say, Oh, actually, I pled guilty because the charges were better. It's like, yeah. no, you definitively yeah. have said you're guilty. You're guilty of this. It's like how Gypsy Rose has to maintain that murder is wrong. She says it everywhere <laughs> she goes now. Um, because, yeah, I don't think they could throw her back in, but it's like kind of like parole, you know, yeah. where you're like have to be like, I am a good citizen and I will not commit any more crimes. I acknowledge that what I did was illegal and yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Man, yeah, Gypsy Rose kind of faded a little bit from yeah. pop culture the last week. She's been, she got her hair done, I saw. That was awesome. She presented <laughs> an award at the Emmys. Did she? I, the thing is, like, I believe you. Right. It's like, why wouldn't she? She's <laughs> done everything else. The line is extremely blurred. Yeah. But no, it was. Has it was, she been on NV Pod yet? Not yet. Because we should listen to Oh, we have to. Let's do it. Let's do like a special like 30 minute episode of just of Gypsy on uh, that. Oh, yeah, we should. Um, Also, I recorded the entire like Gypsy Rose after Behind Bars or whatever. So I kind of want to watch. You haven't watched it yet? Not yet. I recorded it, though. 
Um, so the Monica stuff is, I, I want to say generally that's because the Monica stuff is so, um, you know, the, the main thing of the season, the fact yeah. that part one only dips into Monica and then dips back into like Meredith versus Angie. Right. It's hard to really say this is a, an amazing part right. because we just are not getting the full story. Right. We got little glimpses of Monica. It's like and a taste. It's, it's a taste, but really we're all waiting for part two and part three. Yeah. Mostly part three is when they're going right. to put all the Monica shit in there. Yeah. They sort of touched on her affair with her. I'm sorry. I still get confused. It's her, her, her brother. No. Uh, her. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh, uh, my my uh, Megan is gonna be so mad at me because she tells me every minute what the actual relationship is. Brother, she had sex with her husband's uh, sister's husband, so okay. it's not her husband's brother-in-law. Yeah, her husband's brother-in-law. So it's there's a little bit of Andy even says like, oh, that's a little better, right? Like, um, and also though. Everyone, I, mean, I think a lot of people think it was her brother-in-law. Yeah, no. It was her, it was the brother-in-law of her husband's sister. Oh, I'm like, sorry. The, yeah, yeah, the husband of her brother's that's sister. That's a bit removed. I'm it's trying to think who, um. Bad. <laughs> so it would be like if Kyle Richards. Kyle Richards. Cheated on Mauricio with. Well, do we know Mauricio's sister? Yeah, I was like, what family member? What family member are you going to point to on Mauricio's side? Is there any real world? We don't know a lot of siblings, so I don't know. We'll we'll think of an analogy, maybe Southern Charm or something. But anyways, yeah, I yeah, I need like a real world example, but I think I get it. Well, yeah, it's what, just confusing. I mean, what is one? Are there any? Yeah, there's no because you said the Kyle Richards, which are siblings, but we don't know anything about any of the other ones. It'd be if Kyle. Richards? No, it wouldn't. Still, okay. All right, whatever. Okay. Also, what I think is a interesting detail, which I don't think a lot of people care about, but the fact that it was a decade ago and that they like mm-hmm. got over this and they didn't divorce specifically after it also right. puts it more in the past than I thought when she brought it up. Which the reason she brought it up is because she knew it'd be a salacious detail about her past right. and, and generate a lot of um, controversy. It was more in the in the in the past than i imagined and she didn't mm-hmm. really share that specifically that it was 10 years ago right do you think that has any impact on it happening um, no i feel like it was her main way in to connect with the other women that had left the church right like it kind of just like put her it was a good like check mark for why she could would be on the show besides the jen shaw of it all yes and that you know like she too was like an ex-mormon you yeah. know, so it, you know, whatever. It yeah. Sense. So I want to say one thing about, they have this like feud montage where they t- like, I don't know why they did this because it was like the whole season's worth of feuds. Maybe they just wanted to like, like get that out of the way, but all of the feuds involved Whitney. I don't know if you noticed <laughs> that, but it was like Meredith and Whitney, Lisa and Whitney, right. Heather and Whitney. And almost all of those feuds were Whitney generated feuds. Yeah. And all of them, for the most part, were full flops. Mm-hmm. You can include the bad Mormon um, feud yeah. in there. You can include uh, Whitney saying that Lisa didn't give her enough attention uh, at Meredith's jewelry party. And so I just wanted to say, overall, Whitney Whitney's season-long attempt to stir up shit was a full fail. Yeah. Every single episode. Every sing- And we, we even forget some. She... she tried to criticize Meredith and Lisa for not getting into drag personas at mm-hmm. the in Palm Springs mm-hmm. and made it that such a bigger deal. <laughs> and actually was like, 
Whitney's role on the show, she feels, is to stir up as much shit as she can, no matter how stupid or right. bad it will look. Did you notice, I'm more on high alert, but one of the questions from Twitter was from Ira Madison, yeah. the third of Keep It Fame, and he said, uh, Whitney definitely used Monica to bring up that rumor. She's in her villain era. Yes. And I was like, thank you, Ira. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And then and then getting into that, so I just thought it was remarkable that Whitney is the source of all bad feuds on season four. Like, that just has to be stated. When yeah, people, she's just full of shit. Yeah, when people make the record of season four and they're putting, like, the highlights of it, say... Everyone should say Whitney started a bunch of garbage that never panned out and it all sucked. Everything she tried to stir up. And then specifically, I don't know, you know, when you watch this on the extended edition, mm -hmm. um, but so there was a huge, one of my favorite moments this season was how Whitney reacted when Lisa came to Meredith's party after Whitney's friend had died. And Lisa gives a gift to Heather first uh -huh. before acknowledging Whitney's friend died. Uh -huh. And it was like, you gave Heather a gift before you hugged me and consoled me about my friend who died. And Whitney went off on Lisa, calling her a self-absorbed, mm -hmm. narcissistic person that she's never there for her. It was a huge deal. Lisa f like freaked out and got really upset that her character was being called into question. And then when you watch this, you find out that they edited around the reality of this scene. Lisa did go up to Whitney at that event and specifically said, Whitney, are you okay? Yeah. I'm so sorry. This is so surreal. I, I can't even imagine how you're feeling. I'm so sorry. What do you need from me? Lisa did everything she needed to do in that instance to help Whitney out right. and console her. And then Lisa goes, and then in Bermuda, you told me that I actually checked on you too many times <laughs> and that I was too there for you. And Whitney goes, yeah, I felt like I was being antagonized into not feeling okay. And they edited that part out too. Right. So I feel like Whitney's feud was so bad and stupid and fake that they had to edit it to make Whitney even have a shred of um, evidence that she right. was actually feeling this way. Right. It was even worse than it came off on camera. Right. Whitney will stir, will, will make anything into conflict if she can. Yeah. Which was wild to watch, in right. my opinion. Yeah. Um, no, that was interesting. I was like, I mean, you could feel like, I felt like that was a hard one to talk about because it was like, I don't want to judge someone whose friend died like the day before or whatever, but I was still like, felt like she was stirring shit up in that episode. No, yeah, you know, I, I did. I felt like she... Even I, with what little we saw. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I felt, I felt the same <laughs> way. I knew, yeah, at the time, I thought Whitney was overreacting to Lisa not consoling her, and there was all this evidence that Lisa sent her flowers or whatever, but to find out that she actually went above and beyond, and the above and beyond part is what pissed Whitney off is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Um, also, did you note that um, Justin has turned his wedding ring into a ring on a string? I loved hearing that. <laughs> I instantly thought of one of my favorite characters in all of literature, which is Frodo Baggins. <laughs> if you're ever thinking about rings <laughs> on a string, you have to put Frodo in the conversation. And who else now can we say? Tom Schwartz. <laughs> Tom, we I was like, like Gollum? <laughs> <laughs> Bilbo? <laughs> Did Gandalf have a ring on a string? No, I was thinking on Patreon, the timing of this could yes, not be exactly. more perfect. We are in a ring on a string era, Amy and I, because we're going back to season three of Vanderpump Rules on Patreon, and it is, we just watched Ring on a String. Yeah, um, and yeah Sheena's wedding 
episode part two is literally called Ring on a String. Yeah, and I never knew that when Tom Schwartz presented the ring to Katie, he said, you're going to look like Frodo from Lord of the Rings when you wear this. (laughs) And Katie actually ended up being very happy about the Ring on the String. Yeah. Um, You're you're right, Justin. His ring, unfortunately, does not fit his fingers. This is what Whitney said. Yeah. She said he's a big man, and that's why he wasn't wearing the ring. Yes. So we got a little more. And also, I think she kind of... uh, tried to deflate that they were having huge issues in their marriage once the scrutiny was on it. She was kind of right. like, yeah, we were just going through stuff, but it's not really that big of a deal. Yeah, she's like, we're much better. I also noted that there was an, um, a commercial during this that showed that Bravo's doing a Vanderpump Rules every episode ever Whoa. marathon, Whoa. Uh, which if you're listening to this on Friday, today. So if you put your TV on Bravo right now, is it just it'll gonna, be on. Is it going to be a marathon like until they run out? Like it's just every yeah, single... Yeah, I mean, how many days is that going to take? I mean, I guess if it's 24 hours... How will Bravo be able to just air Vanderpump Rules content for... Would it be like... How many hours is that? 10 seasons of, of 20 22 episodes? times 10? For the love of God, don't make me answer. 220, 220 hours... It'll oh. probably be a little more, give so, or take. So how many days is that? Do you know what? Is that uh, let, 10 days? Let me get back to Yeah, so what? Is one Bravo channel just going to be fully <laughs> dedicated to airing Vanderpump Rules in its entirety? I need to look at the guide. Me too. Um, yeah. And I just want to say, to end that Whitney conversation, has there ever been a bigger like drama flop or cre- stirring up shit flop than the bad Mormon shit that she tried to bring up? No. Where. Heather specifically said, I read you this and you knew everything that was in my book. So why are we talking about this? Yeah, it sucked. Um, I do like, though, not though, because it's a different topic, but when Andy does an impression of Meredith's rumors and nastiness. Did you like that? It was fun. I actually thought it was kind of bad. Like, lame? I just thought it, I don't know. I just wouldn't have gone all in if I didn't have it exactly. And he did it. (laughs) multiple times and he did the husband's thing i just i don't know it was okay it was okay not the best Um, and then she does it too yeah because she reads she has like a transcript yeah um andy to talk about meredith for a second um she gets kind of off the hook on when she brought up the rumors and nastiness uh, Mm -hmm. about the husband because andy says weren't you just trying to tee that up that you knew a rumor about Sean um, so the group would run with it? And she goes, absolutely not. But he didn't specifically ask Meredith, what was the rumor about Sean Mm -hmm. that you wanted to say? Why did he not ask that? Yeah, she keeps saying, um, there can be a rumor that's not about their marriage. And she says that like three times. And it's like, okay, so what are you saying? Like, is it about business? Is it about like, is he a killer? Yeah, and then Andy goes, (laughs) let's go global here for a second. Uh. Like, whatever. And then he just doesn't ask uh, specifically what it was. Yeah. And I think without, with, like, I think 100% that was the rumor she was alluding to. Sure. Right? Do you, I mean, yeah. what else, what what rumors and nastiness about the husband could she mean that doesn't yeah. impact the marriage that's only about him? Unless she was just bluffing. I mean, she said husband. I know, like, but, like, maybe she was like, if you want to talk about the husband, you know, like, I feel like that's kind of maybe just like a low blow kind of a thing. Like, if you want, we can talk about this. I don't know. That would be very bold to just drunkenly bring up that you knew some rumor about something about Angie's life and specifically say husband and then have nothing to back it up. The real tea uh, that Kim Richards was talking about, about Harry Hamlin. If you want to talk about the husband. Kim, um, oh man, I guess they're both the exact same scenario. Um, (laughs) You want to talk about the husband? Yeah, Kim Kim did it first. (laughs) Don't um, you ever. 
yeah. talk about my husband. Do you think Lisa Rinna's reaction was <laughs> overblown for the camera? Or do you think when someone talks about her husband, she wants to kill them with glass? <laughs> um, Maybe both. Really? You thought So you thought it was a little heightened for television? Maybe a little bit. I do think she, like, Kim really pissed her off at that time. Yeah. Like, they were all kind of, like, triggered by Kim. Kim really brought it at that dinner that was the amsterdam the dinner yeah. and that was when kyle richards you can see her and she's Fled running away for her. In her cape <laughs> yeah. it right. makes me scream laughing every time i watch it i never get tired of that I need to she just it. flees the scene she can't deal is that the same trip <laughs> that brandy slaps lisa in the face yeah. what a trip yeah oh my god it's good that was hor- oh my god lisa's Maybe. face when brandy slaps her is like one of the saddest most shocking oh. things i've ever she's seen like, no it's, don't you do that it's horrible um i quick aside i'm still watching roni like a fiend oh good where are you at and i'm on the season eight reunion yeah. i think um and i I didn't realize somehow Bethany was back for a long time. Oh, yeah. Like, I was like, scrolling through and I was like, why did I think she only came back for like three seasons? Four or five, right? Yeah. Awesome. I was like, oh. I mean. Okay. So she was on the show most of the time. Yeah. She missed a few, but overall. Yeah. I mean, she got, yeah, she was, she was on for a long time. Um, yeah. I still need to go back and rewatch Ronnie because I went the same journey that you're on right now. Yeah. I'm in, um, tell me it's not about tom uh era oh my god it's good amazing um okay well are there any other major things i saw that mary's gonna be on next week which i mean what does she have to say she didn't do shit well i saw a clip that was really funny where andy just specifically asks mary who she likes on the cast did you see that (laughs) what did she say mary goes i like angie and andy goes oh okay you like angie okay good she goes uh i like monica because she's pretty and then she goes and i love meredith and meredith takes a second and then meredith goes i love you mary so meredith and mary are actually good friends and do love each other which that's like one of the strangest friendships i didn't think it was actually real but i guess it is it's very strange um and then mary um said i used to like you heather until i saw your horrible comments about my house and calling (laughs) me that i had Dr. Seuss chairs and saying that I had green carpet with Chanel pillows. So she's really mad at Heather and Heather goes, um, Heather goes, well, you know, we all say mean things about each other and we sort of let your mean comments about us, like just, uh, we set them aside or whatever. And Andy goes, you called her inbred or that she looked inbred on the show. And Mary goes, I think the house comments were worse. (laughs) So it's good. Very, it's going to be, it's going to be good. She's a nut. Yeah. Okay. I know. I think about, I think we talked about everything that I really wanted to talk about. I mean, yeah. the Angie and Meredith stuff, I'm just, I don't, I don't care no. enough about it, you know? No. Same. Okay. All right. Um, Southern Charm. Let's do it. The Southern Charm finale. I mean, season nine finale. Overall, so we're talking about Southern Charm, right? We officially <laughs> Yes, we've transitioned. Yeah. Um, what did you think overall about this finale? Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't expect there to be, I mean, I saw in the preview, but like there was borderline violence. Yeah. Which is kind of rare for this show, actually, as Austin pointed out. Austin said, well, we can just say it right now. Austin said, 10 years of a show and there's never been a physical altercation. And then you come in. First of all, JT. Yeah. Yeah. JT causes the first violent encounter in Southern Charms history. It was so interesting to me that Austin had that 
at the forefront of his brain right after a fight that he knew how long Southern Charm had been on, <laughs> right. even though the show took place for four years without him. Right. He knows that no violence has ever occurred even before him or right. during his time. So he imme- immediately had that fact to point out to JT and yeah. broke fourth wall. Right. right. I mean, that's the 10 years he's talking about. Right. Although watching it back, Austin pushes him, right? Yeah, Austin. Like, he said that um, JT headbutted him, but when you watch it, that didn't happen. He, he, um, uh, JT takes a bob up into the air, and then the second one I do think makes contact with Austin's face a little bit. I, I, I watched the scene three times because it is filmed horribly. I feel like it was like after hours. Like, Uh, it felt like they couldn't get their shit together. Like, it felt like. it, it, to me, to me, this finale felt a little haphazard. I've already talked about it. Yeah. Uh, Patricia responded to me and said, um, you know, that's the worst thing you've ever said. Uh, <laughs> Andy already said that we were ending on a cliffhanger and our reunion is one of the best that Andy um, has ever seen. And it's mm-hmm. all going to get resolved. So she's saying it's both basically a two-parter. Like okay. the finale shouldn't have ended like that. But it was just like the moment they had to end on. But I felt it felt very, like you just said, haphazard and rushed. And I don't know if they specifically thought that this was going to be the finale party or not. I mean, the fact that it was like raining everywhere and there was tarps everywhere, I felt like it, like they really had like the circumstances kind of led to a, a underwhelming finale for it to just end with JT headbutting him and Austin in the bushes being consoled by Whitney. It felt a weird finale to me. Right. Right. Um, sort of odd right um i did like that uh whitney thrust his interests upon the group and claimed to think that everyone knows the director russ meyer and his reference was um like movies such as uh faster pussycat kill kill and return of the valley of the dolls which I am aware of because it's always been on my list because Roger Ebert wrote that movie. I, I knew that's the one fact I knew about this. Um, so you've never seen it? No, okay, but I've gonna, heard it's kind of like a cult classic. Okay, I was going to ask you. I, I didn't know. I, mean, I think he, it's the only movie he's ever written, Roger Ebert. I know, that's wild. Yeah. Roger Ebert just did that and then he said no <laughs> he did more that. writing. He fully did that. <laughs> and then he didn't want to write ever again. Yeah, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it was like I was... I was interested to know Whitney's movie taste and it's definitely a curveball. I would never have <laughs> thought he was a, is it, it's called Valley of the Dolls. A uh, return of the Valley of the Dolls. It's like a sequel. Oh yeah. So he likes that more than the original. Yeah. I think it's like m- even more like camp. And Roger Ebert wrote the sequel to mm-hmm. an established movie. Mm-hmm. Whoa. So I was thinking if we were looking at Whitney's letterboxd, that's <laughs> definitely going in the top four. We were so. sort of piecing if together. If he had a whole ass party for it. Yeah. Um, did you like the theme? I mean, if I were to be told to dress a certain way, that would be the way I would be most excited about. Really? Yes. It was sort of, I mean, it was like the Austin Powers era, right? British mod, is that (laughs) what it was? Yes. Did you think everyone (laughs) committed well to that, uh, costume? The men were testy, but it was better than usual because in Bravo past, anyone uh delving into the 60s the 70s or the 80s have a real hard time Mm -hmm. uh parsing the difference between the three and you get a lot of like disco mixed with you know and i feel like people did a pretty good job yeah jt looked like charles manson uh right which was an interesting time to profess his love when he looked like a little killer i agree (laughs) in a leather vest yeah um 
I feel like everyone basically pulled it together. Um, Paige looked great, yeah. but she leans that style anyways. Um, Olivia, not as well, even though, you know, an Elvis stan you think would be like well versed. Yeah. What do you think was going Maybe on there? Maybe she just didn't want to buy new clothes. I think that's it. They get, yeah. <laughs> they get, they have so many costumes they have to get for each season. We already saw like the a pre ski thing they had to do. They're probably just like, man, I gotta go on Amazon and buy a bunch of shit for this thing. Like, yeah. you know, if I'm just glad people didn't show up in like an afro and like a rainbow like disco stew outfit. You yeah. Know? It, it, okay. So they avoided some of the cliches, <laughs> but really, I mean, this whole this whole episode is just basically thirty minutes are dedicated to that party. Yeah. And um, I felt like. Well, I don't, I, I don't know. Do we want to get in? Because we're kind of talking high level. Do you yeah. want to like, um, uh, it sounded like, I mean, this party got like rained out. Like yeah. when I was watching it again, I didn't notice how impacted this party was by the rain until the second time I watched. They had like so much space dedicated to like having an outdoor party and having the catering or whatever. And it I was know. just raining. They had to just too... go into that little hobbit hole. Yeah. Like... The entire time. Yeah. I would have been heartbroken. Yeah. It was sad. <laughs> I, I felt, I felt bad that this season, which I thought has been very good. You, the criticism you could say is that it was only about one thing, but I still loved being in the Southern charm universe. And I just felt like all of the, um, the universe just like went against them for this finale party to give them sort of a shitty ending. I thought right. it was kind of a bummer. Right. Um, I, while he's getting ready, so Patricia is like relegated to upstairs because yes. she's like in, you know, she's healing. But I loved when she asked her healthcare professional to tell Whitney to bring her peaches. Yep. And the guy goes, your mom wants some peaches. Can you get that for her? And you realize that peaches is a dog. Yeah. And he can't catch peaches. So he brings her Roy, the dog instead. Right. So, so her healthcare professional thought she meant peaches, right? Like a can of peaches. And then Whitney decoded that knowing what his mother <laughs> he wanted. He sort of laughed. I was like, that was cute. Actually. And then I was like, why? I was thinking, why does peaches run away from, you know, Whitney? But then I, I have to think about production at all times. Peaches saw a gigantic camera following her dad or her, you know, brother. She loves and brother was scared as hell of a camera person. And that's why Peaches ran away. It's yeah. like, that's, you know, that's not normal Peaches behavior. Yeah, that was cute. And I also, um, it happens during the party, but um, Madison pays her respects and visits uh, Miss Pat upstairs, which I love her respect and reverence for Miss Pat. And, you know, she gave her that little bit of, like, gossip time and, like, champagne moment and then went on her merry way. But... Sort of like a Sheena and Lisa dynamic where yeah. you know the love and respect will never die. And Kiss anytime... the ring. Yeah. Lisa... Every time Lisa's <laughs> in the room, you know Sheena is going to cater to Lisa. And Madison does that for Patricia. Really, she's the only person besides Whitney that, like, decides to go up and make Patricia part of this episode. It's yeah. really sad that she's I hurting know. and, like, couldn't be a part of it. She needs one of those, like, stairway elevator things. Yeah. Someone noted that uh, Madison asked um, Brett to bring a coupe glass uh-huh. for the champagne or whatever. And then he brought this, like, really weird cup that I've never <laughs> seen before with pointy edges. It's like, where and, did you get that? And Patricia was just, like, sort of biting her tongue. She didn't want to say anything <laughs> that he brought the champagne in the wrong glass. Yeah. That was kind of a fun moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there was a funny moment on the way to the party. Uh, Craig and Paige are talking about – they Google uh, – Whitney's age and what year he was born they yeah. deduce it was 1969 um and they have a little you know uh conspiracy moon landing conversation well because they because Paige says was that when the moon landing happened which... yes which if you watch even Stevens you know oh oh <laughs> why does uh when does even Stevens have that happen 
there's a musical episode and one of the songs is we went to the moon in 1969 not 1968 but a year later and there's more oh um and why were they trying to hammer home that it didn't happen in 1968 uh it's just i think they're learning about the moon landing in class and it's a musical episode so the lesson becomes musical that well well, that's all i just was wondering why it's easier to say it's not in nineteen. Well, then later they go, not 1970, but a year sooner. Oh, so you, when you watched that scene and they said 1969, you were like. I was like, I can't confirm. Whoa. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, it, and then they have, they have, they have playful banter about conspiracy theories, but I don't really know besides Craig actually believing some of these things that Paige is like with him, you know, but she does yeah. say an interesting thing. She says, I can't even get Wi-Fi on my way to this party right, right. now, but they were able to beam live stream the moon landing into homes all across the country. Yeah. Kind of a. Sometimes it is wild when you think about what technology has existed for so long and what technology we don't yet have. Right. What like, technology don't we have? Um, Jetpacks. Jetpacks, flying cars. We have self-driving cars, but still scary. Right. I always thought a good technology, so this is someone who's like an inventor or a billionaire that listens to Turtle Time, make a drone that's really big and really <laughs> safe, and it has straps on it, like sort of like... Um, straps like what's that overalls Uh that a human harness can be in and then someone you have a control in your hand and you get to drone yourself around (laughs) flying by drone in a little suspension thing okay wouldn't that be kind of fun i'm sure that's possible right i know but why can't we already have that right now (laughs) people would just be like flinging everywhere (laughs) well first of all it has to be regulated to where it can only go a certain height and it can only go a certain speed Obviously, but where would you go first? (laughs) Everywhere. Disneyland. You would be going, is Riley here yet? And I'd be outside your window with a huge drone over my head going, Amy, can I come in through the window? I'm imagining it going like 10 miles an hour. So it still takes you like so long to get anywhere. But you're flying up in the air. I'm picturing, have you seen that video of the mascot who passes out on his way down? His just limp body. Is that a basketball game? No, who did that? It's like. A mascot at a basketball game. Went and too high. He like passes out while they're lowering him down. So it's just his limp body getting lowered <laughs> down. Too- <laughs> it's not funny. He was too high when they started him out that he passed out. I think he might have like spun too- around or something. And then he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that is horrible. Uh, I'm only laughing because the imagery of someone I like he's okay. limp. Okay. <laughs> Wait, so you, I'm sorry, but you sort of, you don't think that my drone technology of us kind of zipping around. <laughs> in the air at a certain it's kind of a horrific image <laughs> <laughs> i don't see that at all but let what me... about like the zip line in vegas what if it's just there's a series of zip lines in every major city <laughs> that zips you from like the grove to the americana that's kind of fun if they redid power lines to be more efficient <laughs> and and be able to go over the hump of the power line holder what's that mm-hmm. called like the big s- stakes and you know whatever uh-huh. those things are called do you ever think about how we you look out in Los Angeles and you don't notice power lines ever? They're just like blocked from your mind's eye. But then the minute you think about them, it's the ugliest, they most suck. cumbersome shit in the world that you've ever seen. Remember Lisa Rinna like battled for a long time to get hers removed? I mean, yeah, a noble Because it's like they could be underground. Totally. There's so many different things. But if we are going to keep these above ground monstrosities, I think make them zip lines that we can zip back and forth on. Yeah. 
Okay. okay. Wow. Okay. Um, well, okay. So what um, else? Patricia, we said kissing the ring. Yeah. JT professes his love to Taylor, which felt forced. Let's talk about it. That that was, I mean, one of the only three scenes that I really uh, cared about. Yeah. It kind of comes out of nowhere. It was, yeah. Um, I think if you're a JT detractor, which there are a few, I think you could say he was really over um, exaggerating his love of yeah. Taylor for potentially a storyline. He's and like, I love you. I would marry you tomorrow. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I don't think he should have said that um, specifically. He's he's kind of, he, he made it his mission after talking with Rod that he wants to profess his feelings. And he said they had such camaraderie uh, in Jamaica that it like made him, he's like, if you can laugh together, anything is possible or whatever. So he mm-hmm. got, he, he was brave and he says this out loud. But the minute when he starts to talk about how like, good they're doing as like friends or how much he values her she's like yeah you're really good as comic relief in my life <laughs> and he should have the minute he heard that comic relief he should have stopped pulled the emergency <laughs> brake and not said one more word right because no one who's ever secretly loved someone would ever say you're the comic <laughs> relief in my life don't you right. think yeah no she's not into it she even says like i wish like i could snap my fingers and make myself attracted to him basically and but she said i am fully attracted to assholes yeah and he goes on now his good guys never win narrative he's doubling down on that which is kind of like incel vibes you thought so (laughs) well it's just like i'm like she just doesn't like you i know it's not like like a grand conspiracy i agree that's the exact (laughs) thought i had i was like jt not everyone has to like you yeah it's i'm sorry it's gonna happen a lot for the rest of your life not everyone likes each other it's not a a bigger deal than that and also i just think it's so ridiculous like eventually someone is gonna like jt he's not like unlovable like i think next season if they have any other cast member on there there's gonna be someone who's being like i like jt like someone is gonna be attracted to him so it's like i don't i i just think this like forlorn persona of like oh i shot my shot and i fully lost is like it's overblown right it's yeah try hard um and so then um shep and taylor go off to the side austin and olivia go off to the side and there's sort of like a twofer dueling x conversation yep um sheps starts with him asking uh taylor he's like what was that conversation about he's like did y'all hook up or not and she's like we have not crossed the threshold of friendship Mm -hmm. um and uh she basically says that because he's like i thought we were cool why do we keep getting into these arguments and she's basically like i was essentially cool with you because i was hoping we would get back together yes yes yeah i mean she says definitively that you know she was always interested in being back with shep and the thing she said to jt which i thought makes like jt should take some solace in this is that she said i have not moved in so many words she said i have not moved past shep and yeah. Shep still being in my life, like she's still in love with Shep. Right. That's it. Yeah. So that's why I mean, JT just needs to take that to heart. And then I think I think Shep was sort of blown away when mm-hmm. Taylor when he asks, his leg is like shaking a hundred miles a minute. Yeah, he's like Taylor, would you get back together with me? Like very skeptical. And she goes, Yeah. She's like possibly, possibly. And he's Which, like what? <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Do you think it? Like, do you think was it shocking at all to you? Like like uh the taylor said that like yeah did you feel like shep she finally admitted it yeah (laughs) but it's like that what i I always felt like that was the case but i also felt like she was maybe trying to move on with the austin stuff but was still being 
I don't know, like her feelings were brought back when she was with Shep. But to hear her definitively say to him, I would get back together if you wanted me to, was kind of shocking. Right. And then uh, she was like, I think she says something like, I care about me, but I care about us. And then he goes, us is over. Yes. Which honestly, I'm, pr- I hate to say it, kind of proud of Shep for staying strong considering he's the one that fucked up and made them break up. Yeah. And he's still like not down. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> Us is over must have hit Taylor so hard. It's like the saddest thing you could ever hear if you're still in love with someone. He like all uh, now. I mean, I'm like, I'm like looking at everything she did, um, you know, with a different lens because everything she did this season was to get back with Shep. And she, <laughs> she even, blew it. <laughs> she blew it. And he says, us is over. And he says, he says, you know, like, if it's going to be hard for you, to, I'm, I'm sort of breezing past, but she says, if it, he says, if it's going to be hard for you to, to still talk to me, then I don't think we should do it or whatever. And she yeah. goes, I, that's what I need. You know, that's what I yeah, need. He's like, now. I'll stop messaging you. Yeah. And if it will fuck with your head. And she's like, yeah, I think it does. <laughs> yeah. But then before that, she lets her one last um, what's that like tool in her tool shed against Shep to potentially see if he does care for her. And oh, she right. goes, she, yeah, I just, I, I, I brushed past it, but it's powerful. She goes, um, so, you know, if us is over, so you wouldn't care if I started to date Austin and he goes, you want to date Austin? <laughs> He's like, that's who you want to date. Yeah. That's who you want to date. Which I'm like, wow. She really is like just trying to get a rise in any way she can. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, if you truly wanted <laughs> To date each other, then I would say, wowza. But what? Like, like, I won't like, stand in your but way. But I won't stand in your way. Yeah. He's just like, he's more, it was more of a critique of Taylor's mindset at that point, being like, wait, do you really, you really want to date Austin? Yeah. And then she says, Taylor goes, just admit it would hurt you. Just say that it would hurt you if I said that I was going to date Austin. He goes, no, I won't say that. <laughs> so like, then I will not give you what you want. I will not. So then I'm like, I guess. Everything Taylor did with Austin and with Whitney, everyone already said it and alluded to it, but it really was just to make Shep care about her. Yeah. Right? Like she had to go for the big guns to try and make him give a shit at all. Yeah. And that was her last ditch effort to say one last time, what if I dated Austin? Which at this point, I don't even think Austin would date Taylor. No. Right? No. She just was using Austin. I think really using Austin. No, that felt like she didn't wasn't saying that in reality she was saying like if you really are over it then you like even in the most extreme case of me dating austin wouldn't care but i almost think like she would have if austin let her date him for six months just to be like with Kristen and james does this hurt you right does this hurt you don't you secretly want to get back together with with me when you see that i'm dating your friend she like she weaponized uh (laughs) austin in his relationship with shep yeah like the entire time right and i didn't i wasn't fully grasping that mm-hmm. um as her motivation but now it's sort of like it, it does just make me think about taylor differently for the entire season how she's been yeah. dealing with everything yeah kind then, of diabolical yeah then he goes okay well you know if you want to be alone you know goodbye or whatever um and she goes water off a duck's ass baby trying to be cool <laughs> and then she goes into the bathroom and Christ. just starts sobbing yeah <laughs> so, and he's like okay bye also, um they were like holding hands during that conversation it was like very intense yeah it was and and you're i'm not leaving you on a limb with the shep praise shep handled this well yeah he he was being nice he said what what i think of our relationship doesn't mean as much to me as it does to you i am not 
doing this to have hopes of us getting back together. I will sleep with you. I'll still invite you over. I'll do all these things that um, exes could possibly do, but it's not going to mean anything to me and it's going to mean more to you. So we should stop that completely if that's what you need to get past me. Mm -hmm. And I think Taylor was just using the opportunity of them being friends, like she said, to like try to get back for that right. relationship. So he was he was good to just say definitively, I won't be in your life if you need to move on. Right. Like he was saying, was it he was talking to Whitney and was saying that she keeps just like rolling up to his house. Yeah. Like she has like no boundaries. No. Whatsoever. And she'd see him and like there'd be other people there that yeah. he's like hanging out with. Yeah. So no, she's like uh bull in a china shop yeah i um, will say just because you brought up austin and olivia's talk it yeah. was about a tenth as um meaningful yeah it was basically just austin for some reason for some <laughs> godforsaken reason thought that he would show up to this room he was asking olivia to talk he wanted to talk to her right. he said olivia can we speak and he thought sitting down that he would just give Olivia the opportunity to apologize to him <laughs> for how many times she's brought up him kissing Taylor. Right. Like the most delusional thing I know. I've ever. He's like, I thought uh, we were going to sit down and you were going to say, holy shit, I let my emotions get the best of me. Yeah. And she was like, you thought I was going to apologize. Yeah. And, and uh, Olivia says, I realize that you are not here for me in, in a way that I want. And like we, I was using you for my emotional well-being because you had been through this entire situation, but you're not really here for me. And yeah. then when he says, well, this is a completely different conversation than I thought we would had. I thought you would apologize. She just immediately gets up and that's yeah. the end of the conversation. Right. Well, he had earlier talked to his sister about this and his sister already yes. said, like, you think she's going to apologize? And then Leva and Olivia talk and Leva's like, you got to be done with this guy. Like, it's ridiculous. And Olivia sort of is like, I will say I've been a little bit yeah. hot and cold or whatever. Yeah. Um, also, did you notice uh, Rod says that JT has MacGruber hair? And I was like, do you think Olivia and Austin watch MacGruber? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say definitively on Turtle Time, yes. <laughs> One of the things Austin and Olivia are passionate about is MacGruber. Okay. Who said he had MacGruber? Rod said. Rod was like, you have some MacGruber hair going on to JT. So Rod definitely likes it. So like it's in the cycle. Like I feel like um, one thing I do feel like. Olivia and Rod had no chemistry. Yeah. But I bet that they could have like a sort of like tepid relationship where they watch broad comedies. I think so too. <laughs> I think so too. I really feel like Rod and JT, like they had a really sad uh, trajectory this season. And I have to, I want to make, take 30 seconds to talk about Rodrigo's uh, trajectory. <laughs> I mean, that seems like that ended as absolutely nothing and there's yeah. no chance of him coming back right right to not go on the trip and then have no moments in the finale at all yeah to be a non-entity for almost half of the season i mean yeah they just showed him sort of in the background re reacting to the fight i, I liked him i thought mm -hmm. he was great and i thought he had some funny scenes with craig or whatever but mm -hmm. he just, just didn't seem like he wanted to be on the show yeah i mean if if you can't go on the cast trip for four episodes or three episodes yeah. you're probably not going to come back next season if you can't make that work right well maybe he'll play a bigger role if rod gets the the shove yeah so can we now sort of mosey on into the cottage which is whitney's yes. bar and uh -huh. um i will say so jt's mindset is like you said he's like standing in the rain sad <laughs> forlorn 
he just had put his heart out on a platter for Taylor and she broke it. So he's so sad. So he decides to get drunk as a skunk in Whitney's cottage bar and he's wanting to have a little bit of fun. So he's spinning around (laughs) on a bar stool, sort of carefree in the cottage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Did you think that um, when they showed, they kind of implied that Austin blew Taylor a kiss? Did you think that was real? Or do you think I, that could have been for anybody? It was such tight quarters. I know. I don't. I don't. The camera work was hard. It was the camera. I, I mean, uh, maybe the they camera were drunk. team. I think the camera team were drinking or <laughs> having um, some of that expensive bourbon or something behind the maybe scenes. Maybe they had some of Olivia's warm tequila. Their, their coverage, their coverage of the fight, which I'm skipping yeah. ahead. Well, I'll just I'll, I'll yeah, save it. It's but all- it was part of this it's basically but begins I, I right say, away. did you notice when they did a 30 minutes later timestamp to demarcate uh nothing that it was day to night i've never seen the 30 right. minutes later that didn't mean anything it was like right. all of a sudden vanita was leaving and it was dark yeah um, she ate shit and then she ate shit on the stairs and then olivia poured herself some don julio and uh page was like with no ice and yeah. she was like yeah i mean whatever and Paige is like that's like serial killer vibes maybe it was to signify that like things are getting a little more chaotic that's how drunk, i read it, it was drunken. like everyone's drunk now yeah that's because it was it was like the party shifted to like more chaotic energy mm-hmm. so anyway we're back in the cottage the coverage is kind of shit you don't know who is blowing kisses to who <laughs> and then austin i austin fully um starts this shit with jt mm-hmm. he comes in <laughs> Hot and heavy, right up in JT's face, and says, uh, "I forget what he said." He says something Finally, like, "Finally, you're told- at eye level with me." And he's grinning, <laughs> an evil grin, a mean spirited grin. Not, not. He's not being fun. Uh-huh. I, I, I sensed um, hostility. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, and you literally did get up on a chair so you could be eye level with me. And JT instantly says to him, which I give JT all the credit in the world. He goes, "You're a snake and a coward." <laughs> to Austin's face. Yeah. And then Austin goes. What are you squealing about, JT? Which I honestly think the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard is talking about someone's utterances as squeals. I think that is so offensive that he called what JT was saying squealing. I was just on that Roni reunion. I was watching Luann keeps negating what Carol is saying on the opposite other couch. And she goes, what are you yapping on about over there? Yapping. And Carol's like, excuse me. She called what Carol was saying yapping. Like she's like, what are you going on about over there? Like, anyways. Uh, yeah, it is so dismissive that Austin immediately called it squealing yeah. for JT. But JT is like literally on his soapbox. He's like, how many people have you hurt in this town? Yes, seriously. He he just, he went in. He was ready. He goes, my, my Taylor shit flopped. I'm ready to do... Um, part two of what I wanted to get done. I'm not ghosting Austin. I'm actually going to confront Austin. But Austin came up to him. It has, you know, yeah. Austin came in with bad intentions by doing that eye level. His smile was hostile as hell. Mm-hmm. And JT brought it to him. I don't know 100% if JT should have stayed on the bar stool looking <laughs> at him because, you know, I think he should have gotten up because uh-huh. it, it left him in kind of a precarious position to mm-hmm. be confronting someone on a bar stool yeah. like that. And then there's a little bit of like, the, there's the blown kiss. Then um, Austin asks Taylor to sort of like, he, he asks like, did you ever, he starts to ask Taylor's advice about something or like what they're fighting about. Then Taylor immediately starts to defend Austin, like JT, JT, yeah. you know. Yeah, because he goes, now you're yelling at the woman yes. who's like heart you broke or whatever. Yes. And Taylor's like, he's literally not yelling. Yeah. Like 
you need to chill. Yeah. And then JT goes, you're taking his back right now. I will never forgive this. I will never forgive this. Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, Austin goes, what are you so upset about JT? And then in Austin's confessional, I mean, he has... You could read this as a villain moment, or you could Mm -hmm. read this as just honest. But he says, I finally figured it out. JT is jealous of me. He goes, I'm the person that gets the girl. He was in love with Taylor, but I'm the one who gets the girl. JT doesn't get the girl. He's like, guys like him don't get the girl. And I'm like, so you both agree. Right. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was like um, kind of brutal, but it's like, I usually whenever people accuse others of being jealous, you're like, I roll like, yeah, yikes. But I'm like, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, You so you just you think you think that JT, if you were just uh, citing his motivation, you say he's jealous of Austin. Yeah. And like infuriated that like he wins. Yeah. Even though it's like he doesn't like when he's in a shit storm all the time like yeah. it's not good i guess i yeah i guess um yeah i guess i have a a, a few thoughts i i feel like he's jealousy yeah threat jealousy is a, a term where it's like does he want to be austin that's what i always think of jealousy or does he want the success of austin i don't know if it's that but i, I do think he specifically said um you know i resent that austin is the kind of person that gets the you know like the girls to fall in love with him or whatever so i guess you could say he's jealous right yeah Green but, with envy, but would for Austin, what he has. But would Austin be like getting like like Austin is powerful because in the Southern Charm universe he's powerful and new cast members like are instantly attracted to him and he's on reality shows and yeah. he's probably wealthy he's tall. and and he's tall and in Charleston he's like a local celebrity. I mean, yeah. he probably could point at someone in the room in Charleston and like start to have a conversation with anybody he wanted. Yeah. So I'm like. Would Austin have this amazing luck as a as a semi villain who treats people like shit sometimes? Would he be doing as well if he wasn't the star of a reality show? Good question. I don't know. I mean, the tall versus short is a you know historical uh, problem. Okay. You know. Yeah. All right. So I just <laughs> wanted to add, I guess, a little nuance to JT's um, gripe against Austin, but he is making it his mission to call out Austin in every way he can. He says, even Shep says that you're a little bully in the sandbox <laughs> who's playing with other people's shiny toys or yeah. whatever. Um, and then what, what happens? He says, I'm talking to you now man to man right in your face or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then whatever. I don't know. I feel like JT, like, you know, like sort of puts his chest out and then um austin just like shoves him really hard and he like flies off the chair which which could have been really bad i know if 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 jt's leg was dangling in one of the like the i know the, he could have like cracked his skull on I mean, something it was awful so austin shoved him in, i mean it was like jt was getting in his face screaming but you know he, he did kind he... of look like mighty mouse like he was like just like bumping like chest bumping him but he could only get like halfway up yeah so once jt is off the stool he landed well off the stool yeah austin started it i mean austin shoved yeah. him hard and then yeah jt starts bouncing up the first one doesn't make contact but the second <laughs> one i watched austin's face react i don't know how hard he got him and then immediately the camera people Ugh. go to absolute shit and they start filming the ceiling <laughs> and filming the ground and we're getting the it must be like really small in there you i know? guess and they were getting bumped but still i mean yeah yeah, I mean, I guess it was small, but this is the one thing you want to cover. The first fight. If it's going to happen, I know it's horrible, but at least can we get it well documented? They if should have put gonna... some uh, 
little GoPros up in every corner. Seriously, I mean, they had no idea this was going to happen, but it was one of the worst filmed things I've ever seen. I know, it, it was, was very like, chaotic. You, you instantly were just seeing like JT in a headlock, but I felt like JT kind of brought it. I mean, Austin's shirt was ripped to I shit. Know. And JT goes, it you was want a more? Knit. It was a knit. It was a knit, so it was easy to rip. <laughs> uh, um, did you see Whitney's face? He looked like Satan being very pleased. Oh, he was? I didn't like, see that. He was like, Really? I didn't yeah. see that. I think he was like, this is going to be good. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, JT. And then he goes, um, it, it's it's over in two seconds because Rod sort of separates them. No one wants a physical fight on Bravo now. Yeah. They can't even let physical fights happen. It's no. like security like runs in the minute yeah. you're having a fight. So this couldn't have lasted long no matter what. But I do wish that we had proper coverage of it to see the nuance of this fight because I barely knew what the fuck Happened. I know it never got too bad. No, um, it was stopped very. It wasn't soon. too scrappy. And then Austin screams. <laughs> I love it. A chef almost kind of pulled a Kyle Richards. He goes, yeah. "I'm tired of negativity," and like starts like, to walk out. I was like, "Did he see that before the fight happened, or did he really just walk out as the fight was happening?" <laughs> yeah, and then JT's like, uh, "This is when yeah, Austin is like ten years no physical contact, and here you come in," and JT's like. You lose. You I'll see you never again. You touched me first, so yeah. you fucking lose. Yeah. I also thought JT was ready if Austin wanted to fight more. I mean, I would have... I mean, I don't like physical violence, but I don't think it was so, like, cut and dry that Austin would have annihilated JT. I feel like there would have been a... a <laughs> mm, really? I feel like he could yeet him out. Oh, I don't think so. Okay. I, I, I would not want to fight. Maybe he could just punch him, like, in the liver repeatedly. There's... I mean... He has, uh, well, okay, we don't have to get into like how. I feel like once he's off the stool. I, I would, I don't know. They I would not bet be against... uh, matched in their weight class. I know, but I wouldn't bet against JT in that fight. He was fired up and it, 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 he seemed. He I mean, pretty... he is fit, but. Okay, you think, all right. Um, well, let us know what you think, little turtle cuties. Could JT and I will have to shit? do a physical uh, examination of Austin to find out. Okay, all right. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, and then the episode ends. Austin screams. This has never happened before. JT says, you fucking lose. I'll never see you again. Yeah. Whitney goes out to comfort Austin in the bushes. Yeah. He's going, calm down, baby. Calm down, baby. <laughs> calm down. Yeah. And then Shep ends the season with his takeaway. Uh, can we talk about, did you have a jump scare when he came on screen? Shep in his confessional looked so sick. I didn't, I didn't notice that. He was extremely pale with dark circles under his eyes. He looked like the twilight vampire makeup. Oh no, I didn't notice that. I was like, what? Oh no. So he looked markedly worse than how he looked like his body was shutting down like oh no i'm but i feel like we've seen him since so maybe that was a (laughs) fluke but or they didn't do makeup that day maybe that's what he looks like underneath at all times I i needed to watch it again i didn't notice how um sick he potentially looked um so but i I will watch again but he said um i think he says that you know uh austin got away with a lot this season um, and I think that he's been a bad friend to mm-hmm. me. And I think he deserved this mm-hmm. because he did wrong. Yeah. He said no one can dispute that he deserves it. Yeah. Um, so then it ends and it's like, okay, coming up on the reunion. And I just thought that it's like, that is such a strange way to end this finale. Like, like Craig didn't have a moment. Paige didn't have a moment. Like, right. I, I don't know. It felt very like haphazard. Like we were talking Abrupt. about. Abrupt. And then it just ends with Whitney like, 
or Whitney and Austin, like Austin is like red faced and torn shirt and like <laughs> off camera and you can see the it's like a fourth wall break or whatever. Yeah. It just felt I'm kind of OK with it because I'm like, let's just talk it through at the reunion. Let's all get on the same page. Um, and I feel like Taylor's going to go down like yeah. the whole Whitney thing, I feel like is going to be a big thing of like. Yeah. She kind of tries to lie about yeah. what she sent to Whitney or whatever. And also, I have a morbid question. I think we've covered this before, but will does timeline wise Taylor's brother is he still living when they filmed the reunion, or he's is that not, a question mark? He's not. I don't think. Okay, so I, that's I've, gonna like certainly paint the vibe of the reunion. I'm almost positive the reunion was filmed about four weeks ago. Okay, in real time, you know, four weeks in okay. our current era, and and worth her. Uh, brother, I think died like oh, like almost six months ago. Yeah. So she's okay. going to be dealing with that at the reunion, you know, for sure. And who knows how much, you know, grace they will give her because that warrants a lot. So it's like totally, it's, and it's like that is such a additional yeah point of view regarding I mean, like how she feels about what happened with Olivia now that she knows what it feels like to go through that. Totally. Um, so overall, good finale, right? Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to ask you, I mean, we'll talk about this after the reunion too, but although the only thing they ended up discussing for the most part was this Taylor Austin thing, did you ultimately think uh, Southern Charm was a good season? Yes. Good. You did? <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. I good. thought it was fun and spicy. Um, yeah, like I said, it got a little tiresome uh, talking about that love triangle again and again and again but everything around it was still entertaining enough that it was okay and i feel like the storylines that they would have tried around this would not have popped had this not have happened because like there's the craig and page shit which i've already talked about i believe they're in love and this long distance shit works for them so that is not um conflict to me i yeah. don't I, I know this is a happy ending in my mind the madison and brett thing they're potentially going to have a baby but they don't actually try to get pregnant on camera mm -hmm. patricia brings up how whitney needs a uh, family in his life she wants him to get married i'm sure that would have been more of a through line had she not been hurt the entire yeah. time but nothing really popped i mean even jt jt story popped but mm -hmm. it's in reaction to the Taylor and Austin thing. Yeah. So I almost feel like I loved the Southern charm vibes the entire time. And if this is the storyline that had to be the main focus, nothing else got short shrifted except potentially um, Olivia's grief for sure. her brother. But other than that, nothing really came to the surface apart from this. Right. So I'm fine with it being the main stay, Yeah. Uh, you know, of this season. And it like does have to do with their dynamics ultimately yes. like it's like what they have underlying feelings anyways yes so i'm excited for the reunion i think it'll be good me too um and before we do the beverly hills minute i think i have to piss again i was just waiting here <laughs> with filled with piss to look at you and say i need to do a rare unprecedented i second. know what's going so, on you're like I, for I, the new year our body is cleansing well can i tell you what i did differently just for yeah. a peek behind the curtain yeah. Our last certified turtle piss break, our last certified <laughs> our CTPB, mm -hmm. I drank about six glasses of water. Six? Well, like like four very quickly just because I wanted to be hydrated. So I know ran that's the X yeah, factor. Yeah, coffee's pumping through this morning. Yeah, I'm ready. And we love, I mean, <laughs> I we love hearing that our little turtle cuties also take certified turtles <laughs> at the same time as us. So let us know if you ha you did two while you're listening. That'd be kind of fun. So we're, let's do it now. Do you want to? Let's do it. <laughs> 
We're back. We're back. Uh, I texted you this already, but I was listening to Paul Giamatti on um, Armchair Expert, and he, don't shame me, I know, uh, he, he pissed twice during the podcast, which I don't think I've ever listened to a podcast where someone went to the bathroom twice. I love that you said that. And like, so we're basically having a Paul Giamatti uh, <laughs> yeah, this episode. We can so- certify certified paul giamatti yeah c p g p break so what you're saying name our piss breaks potentially after paul giamatti maybe i gotta do a paul giamatti that sounds good we'll do it if he wins the oscar we'll do it that sounds good okay wait wait you just (laughs) hold on you just opened a full-blown can of worms i thought we were almost ending but i have so many questions first of all i like that armchair expert um keeps in the guests saying they have to piss yeah terry gross could never no right (laughs) no uh also the canon is they record in an attic like at Dax Shepard's house and the bathroom in there doesn't have a door it's a curtain no so whenever a guest has to piss he asks if they want him to leave <laughs> because there's no and door he keeps that question in every episode and Paul Giamatti talks through his piss that is like they go back and forth so, the whole time so I don't like Dax Shepard at all no. in any way I will not go to bat for him i, I just did. am kind of grandfathered in okay no no that's fine i'm not making you justify your dak shepherd love i almost i'm on the i scale don't of, love him i just he i just listen when the guest well, is I was interesting good. i was gonna but i'm compliment i'm complimenting to say him to say the just hearing the reaction of every celebrity guest have to make that game time decision of open curtain slash let the host leave so that I can piss freely is a yeah. very funny psychological detail that I'm sure every episode <laughs> makes you humanizes the person. Yeah. I wonder if some people are like cut that I asked to pee. I'm sure. I, I feel like most people that are not certified turtle piss brained like us would want your piss break out. I'm sure that's why Terry Gross would not include yeah. those in fresh air. But um, I always think about that because like I've said, I like long podcasts. And so there's some other ones like, you know, uh, Pete Holmes, his podcast a lot of times runs really long, uh-huh. like over two hours. And sometimes people will be like, is it okay if I go to the bathroom? And then they'll like cut back and, you know, be like, yeah, it's nice. I mean, I assume everybody, if your podcast is over an hour is stopping to take a certified turtle yeah, and people just edit it out. Right. So I always think about that on like Howard Stern and stuff. Cause those are on video and Maybe they just cut it out, but I'm always like, or maybe it's because they record those so early in the morning. If we recorded at like 6 a.m., I probably wouldn't have to piss because I wouldn't be hydrated yet. Do you want to start? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have considered if I should start waking up earlier in 2024, but oh, okay. I haven't decided yet. Well, let's talk about that at some point. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to ask you just one last Paul Giamatti thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to say b- beforehand that. Uh, neither Amy and I thought that Beverly Hills warrants our full attention. We're not spending an hour on it. We're no. probably going to spend 20 minutes talking about the highlights just because it wasn't as great as what the other stuff we've been talking about it. Yeah. So all this, that to say, uh, did you like the holdovers? I haven't seen it yet. It's you, like my final list. I don't want it's to. It's on Peacock. Yes. I'll probably yes. see it in theaters though. You will? I like to see things in theaters as you know. I think it's worthy of it. And I don't want to. Everyone loves it. I, yeah, I don't want to heighten your expectations, but it sounds like they're at the level. But I was so um, impressed, and Great. yeah, it was just it was a very fun movie. If so let me know like when you watch it. Him, uh, I he's been on a obviously like he's on an Oscar campaign, so he's doing every podcast. 
him on WTF is a delight. I know oh. you hate Mark Marin. They vibe so hard. Like if they were a man and a woman, I would say they got we're gonna get married after the interview. Like oh. they were like gagged by each other. Okay. I mean, I used to watch Mark or I used to listen to Mark Marin exactly what you said. If like Kenneth Lonergan was yeah. on it, I was like, I Obama. have to listen to Kenneth, huh? Obama. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, right. When Obama was on it. Uh, but when, like, if I'm like, I have to listen to Kenneth Lonergan, I can suffer through Mark Marin. I just skip past the first 20 minutes where yeah. he's playing guitar or whatever the hell he's Guitar's doing. Guitar's at the end. Okay, yeah. Um, I just skip through to what he's... And you have to just take everything he says with a grain of salt. Yeah. But I probably... If you do say his G- Giamatti rapport <laughs> is so strong, I can suffer through Mark Marin to listen to it. Yeah, and I only will. if you have... Uh, if you are in the mood for Giamatti, I will say he brought out his essence. They were just really having a good time. So. All right. That's uh, you. You um, teased it properly and I will <laughs> listen to it. And then I, you please let me know when you watch Holdo- uh, Holdovers because I want to hear your take on it. It's great. Yeah. I need to ask Jimmy if he wants to see it or watch it or if I should proceed okay. uh, solo. Well, speaking of Paul Giamatti, he had a cameo <laughs> this episode in Beverly Hills, which was pretty fun when they went to Ojai. Um, <laughs> it was like... um a sideways moment when they went to the winery. I, I honestly thought about sideways when they were doing that, <laughs> that Ojai trip and doing wine tasting. I was like, what would Paul Giamatti <laughs> think about this? Yeah. Right. I should watch that you, again. Oh, you have, you've only seen it once. Uh, I've seen it a couple of times, but it's been a while and I always enjoy it. It's really fun. Um, my parents came to visit me, uh, with Megan and we did the wine country full tour. Like we, we did all this, that stuff and we kept thinking about sideways. And then right after our trip, we came back and watched sideways again. It still hits hard. It's great. Yeah. It's great. So fun. Yeah. Movies aren't like that anymore. No. And it introduced, (laughs) um, Thomas Hayden church Mm -hmm. to the world, which that's one of the best casting. Sandra Oh. Sandra O oh as well. It's like that's one of the best casting things you could ever do where you discover someone or they've never been in shit or he was in Wings or whatever and he hadn't been famous in 10 years and then you bring him out and then like Spider-Man 3 is casting him. Like they brought Thomas <laughs> right. Hayden Church to the world. Yeah, well, he's like the Sandman. Yeah, he was the Sandman in Spider-Man 3. Not to be confused with Adam Sandler. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so okay. what, what did you think about this episode of Beverly Hills? It was called A Celebration of Life. I hate to call like a funereal episode boring but it was a real snooze in my opinion okay like they went on a full ass trip i mean not really it was for the day but that was you know fun enough but that was like it yeah um yeah okay so this 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 episode is um two things happen they go on a day trip to ojai which I'll say that trip was like a six out of 10 in terms of the entertainment. Yeah. I was fine with it. When it was, you don't stay the night, it's kind of like, It's like, was whatever. that a trip? Yeah. Did it ever really happen? Yeah. Like, why go to Ojai if you're just going to do it for one day? I didn't really get the whole sense of Ojai enough to warrant, you know, being there. Right. Know, the like, trip. they could have gone to Malibu. Yeah. And then the second half is the celebration of life for Kyle's friend. And I will say, I think this episode was muted purposefully, edited together so that it was just about Kyle reconciling and honoring her friend that died. Mm -hmm. They didn't want too much of a dichotomy in terms of tone because 30 minutes of this episode is just them at the celebration of life, um, which I thought was just sad. And I thought, which, you know, I, it's, you can't watch this as just like, 
to be fully entertained. It's like, this yeah. is sad. No, it's somber. It was, it was sad. And, and so the Ojai trip was not fun enough to where I was like, okay, we got the highs and lows of entertainment here. It was just kind of like, okay, the Ojai yeah. trip wasn't that great. I mean, they had, like, Kyle had to break out games within five minutes of them sitting there. And it's like, what, she was like, what, what was it called? Girls going out games? I know. I'm like, do they just now all producers carry those cards yes. in their yes. pack? Someone someone has tweeted about it, like Brian Moylan or, or someone in the, you know, yeah. uh, commenting space has said like, producers, for the love of God, please <laughs> stop giving these packs of cards at every dinner for the games. I mean, this is like the third. It's a crutch. This is the third dinner game, I think, in this season of Beverly Hills alone that they have played games at the table. I know. And this one at least was like action oriented. But right. still nothing was that fun that came out of it. Sutton was like, okay, I'll lick a child's toe. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. Sutton was like, I'll lick inside Dorit's mouth. Right. And then it was like, let's show each, let's show how scissoring happens. Right. right? Yeah. And like her and Dorit get down to the ground and imitate scissoring right right yeah but i i don't think any of those moments like made this iconic no. this this trip to ohio no it was like they had fun for 10 minutes and everyone was like look yeah. how we're getting along and i'm like yeah you could get along for an hour congrats yeah. like i don't care also that that's a trope of saying we fight hard and we play hard <laughs> i feel like on every housewife franchise they said that they always go like now this is what i love about this group we can right. bounce back from anything like they all say it and this was not bounce back territory i was like okay no. you guys are just having a moderate amount of fun for two hours like you all decided not to bring up um an issue you had because the difference is that usually when you guys are sitting at a table someone goes Garcelle, I just wanted to yeah. bring something up that has been bothering me. Right. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it's just like, okay, so dinners are two things. They're a place to where you bring up something that bothered you, which you know you're going to start shit about. Yeah. Or you're going to have a game that brings up shit because of the answer you give. Right. So it's just, which avenue do we want to pursue? Right. So here they do bring up like, um, Kyle's like, would you date a woman? And so obviously that's kind of loaded being that the rumor with her is that uh -huh. she is dating a woman, yeah. but it didn't really go anywhere. Garcelle was like, I would consider it. Honestly. I was like, okay. <laughs> Garcelle's honesty there was kind of fun. She was like, I've considered it to be honest. Yeah. She's like, it's been on my mind. <laughs> That was pretty great. I like that. That was a great Garcelle moment. I give her a lot of credit for just being like, yes. And then Kyle was like, I do. I, they were like, would you, Kyle? And she goes, hmm. She like has to pretend to think about it. she was it. the one who brought it up. I know. She's like, um, hmm. I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's like as if you're not, your every waking moment isn't like, fuck, should I date this woman? Right. Right. What about, what about Kyle? Um, Kyle saying she feels disconnected from LA and she's waiting right. for the time to like, get back to nature like and move when she can what do you think right. about that it's interesting i mean that's like fits into her whole like revolutionary lifestyle change mm -hmm. um i just i do love when it's like rich people are like i just want to like get back into nature and it's like they can go to like ohio aspen I mean, vale yeah you really like, <laughs> like you... montana ranch also i mean kyle is wealthy enough to where your dreams can come true anytime you snap your fingers and just right. spend three months in the winter at whatever beautiful you know outdoor place you want right it wouldn't uh, require leaving los angeles at all no i know i'm like well you could just also move to like topanga or something do you ever feel disconnected from los angeles <laughs> um no i'm like a gutter rat i like going to like hollywood and like 
walking yeah. around and being a little pig. Each year, I feel only more <laughs> and more connected. Well, I it's feel also like-, like that's the thing about LA is that you can go on a hike. You can drive an hour and go to the mountains. You can go to the beach. Like yeah. you can do all of that. I guess I understand that I, the concept of wanting like a completely tranquil life. Yeah. Um, but again, to her, that could just mean moving to Santa Barbara. Yeah. And they were all like, yeah, I feel like I would get bored with this when they're at uh, Ojai. You know, like <laughs> right. that once you have it, you wouldn't want it or whatever. There's nothing in Ojai. Yeah, I've been. I was going to ask you. Um, I haven't been there in years, but when I did, I was like, there's nothing here. Yeah, I went and <laughs> I went to a restaurant that I thought was great. And I really love Bart's Books. If you've never mm. been to Ojai, you've got to go to Bart's Books. It's so cool. It's an outdoor book yeah. store. Yeah. And it has so many books. And they really care about, you know, the, their inventory and everything. So that's a fun thing. That's probably my favorite thing by far about Ojai. Yeah. But I haven't been very often. Only maybe twice. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. But most of California is um so yeah they scissor <laughs> what did, okay i do want to say yeah they <laughs> yeah, they're scissoring on the ground and people are like uh, is that scissoring technically i don't know um so let's let's then they leave and it yep. was like okay well so you guys went to ojai for like a day to honor Anne marie supposedly right which, i don't know i mean we're gonna get into Anne marie yeah. i feel like um in terms of first-time flops, first-time cast member flops. I feel like this was one of the biggest flops that anyone's ever done, what Anne-Marie ultimately does at the Celebration of Life event. I mean, oh one of the... Oh, God. Um, but I, I wanted to say one, one thing about the, um, if you're okay to move forward, yeah. the the Garcelle scene with her kids. Mm-hmm. So we've already talked about how Garcelle's journey with her sons is definitely what she is prioritizing in terms of like what she wants to show on camera and i feel like this scene was her last ditch effort to bring up every (laughs) single storyline she could possibly have with her kids in one place and her kids are giving her nothing yeah she's like what do you want to talk about right now? I'll talk about sex. I'll talk about your relationship with Ashlyn. I'll talk about um, lasagna. How, I'll talk about lasagna and how I want to feed you lasagna all the time. I'll talk about how I wasn't there for you enough and you can come to me if you didn't think I was a good enough mother or whatever. She like wanted everything about her kids yeah. in that one hour that she yeah. had on camera. And it's like, nothing is hitting. I'm sorry. No. Yourself, this is not it was working. so boring. Jimmy came in and was like, uh, I was like writhing in my seat. I was like, make it end, make it end. And he was like, what? And I was like eye rolling at everything the kids said. I was like, oh, they're so annoying. And he was like, that's how kids are. Why are you getting so pissed off? I was like, because I don't want to see this. Me, like, right. I don't want this. That's that's what it is. It's, it's <laughs> First of all, the kids are playing it too cool. I do not want to see teenagers act too cool. Like they're smarter than adults and that they, they don't care about anything. And he's like, I forget what. Uh, I did love though when uh, she said that he couldn't have his girlfriend spend the night. They said that that's hater mentality yeah and i was like i'm gonna start saying that about everything i'm like that's hater mentality yeah um yeah that's that's great it brought yeah for some reason i thought i got a blip of michael jackson saying they're just what does he say they're just it's all lies it's all lies doesn't he say they're just jealous they're just jealous um so anyway uh but I just think that the also, like, in Garcelle's defense, she wants to make this her storyline. And they are the worst participants in this storyline because they're giving her nothing back. They're not, no. like, allowing her to it's have thankless. any of these moments. It's, yeah, it's totally thankless. And it's, so it's never-ending. It's like, we nothing new has happened since no. we went to dinner with them last week. Why are we visiting them again? Yes, it's just, it's not entertaining enough to spend this amount of time on it. I'm sorry, Garcelle. It's kind of just like a swing and a miss. No. This isn't working, and it didn't deserve f- even five minutes of this episode. No. So then we get to a celebration of 
life. Well, there is Dorit and PK, but oh, you know. oh, 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 I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> to skip past that. I actually loved, I loved that moment. Oh my God. What am I thinking? I thought that was actually kind of sweet. Yeah. They, uh, I still think they're going to break up though. <laughs> I would not at all be surprised if at some point Dorit was ready to leave, you know, PK and felt assured like maybe after she sees how Kyle and Mauricio navigate this and I could totally imagine a world where Dorit says why am I putting up with this person who's not um validating me in any way and wait did you see their London theater moment uh a little turtle cutie had dm'd us before it went viral um that they went to see it's like pan I was reading the comments I didn't really understand what it was it's like some sort of like a Peter Pan Mm live show but it's called like pantomime and i think there's always like celebrity guests and stuff apparently uh, from what i understood from reading the comments it's sort of like a old institution that's like always happening in london it's like a popular show that people go to and i think boy george has something to do with it which is why they were there but dorit played in the show as a mermaid who i don't understand the context was speaking in a lois griffin voice I don't know why I didn't bring this up at the top of the show. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. I, let me reiterate what I what I learned from what you said. There is a show in London called Pan Tomime uh-huh. with a dash between Pan and Tomine to represent Peter Pan. It's uh-huh. a long-running show. Uh-huh. And in it, Boy George was affiliated with it. And yeah. he thought that Dorit would be a good mermaid yeah. in the show. Yeah. And for some reason, Dorit made her character choice to be she speaks with an accent that is reminiscent of Lois Griffin. Yes. Wow. Okay. And is there evidence of this? Yes. Is it was it on the show? No. Is it so people took video. She's wearing like a blue beaded wig. I'll show you after. Are um, you comfortable at all even alluding to what a Lois Griffin is? Well the thing is I'm pretty sure I have to check, but multiple people specifically said Lois Griffin so I don't think it's just that like she sounded like Lois Griffin. I think there's maybe some part of the show where this is my guess that like you draw from a hat or something where like you're oh. put on the spot and you have to like do it like this. So, so, you know? so, so Lois Griffin could have possibly been one of the names that was pulled out of a hat. That's my guess, but I might be completely making that up. But because uh, I was going to say Dorit's natural accent would have. I think lent itself well to a mermaid <laughs> character. It sort of has yeah. a hint of London, but also it's an unearthly quality yeah. about it as well. But she like fully sings in it. Can There's you... like a whole song where it's like something about like life being a mermaid. It's like a whole thing. Would you mind after we get done <laughs> recording, uh, sending me the no, best I'll definitely e- pull it up. example of that? So I, I, I can sort of um, high level this scene. Um, yeah. PK is not being as sympathetic to Dorit's PTSD, which is a real thing. And it's been, uh, Dorit has alluded to it a lot this season. Surprises to her lead to anxiety. And she's uncomfortable when she doesn't have all of the like uh, knowledge of what she's about to uh, mm-hmm. take part in mm-hmm. because it's just all anxiety. Yeah. And PK specifically resents the fact that when he tried to surprise her for their wonderful pretty woman <laughs> anniversary, that she had to talk about her anxiety and PTSD at the moment and kind of ruined it. Uh-huh. So it was more about having a, a third party walk them through why, how PK can understand PTSD. Right. 
And right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, he's like, when does high maintenance blend with PTSD, which seems like a low blow. But then when they show the clips and she's all like commandeering the stylist and saying that she needs her bronzer and all of this stuff. I'm like, yeah, that more just seems like, um, you know, control freak. Yeah. That like, I understood the part where she was like, where are my kids? Like, yeah. I didn't know I was going to be gone all night or whatever. But then once she knew the situation, then she just switched to wanting to be in charge. Yeah. She had Jagger call her specifically <laughs> and say, mommy, we're okay or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't like fully one-sided about this conversation. Yeah. I felt like PK handled himself well. He loves doing little digs because yeah. that's like his love language. Like he likes poking fun. Yeah. Um, but I, I felt like I, I thought he was legitimately trying to grasp with what is ptsd uh-huh. and what should i give her allowance for and what should i like think is not a part of it and i can actually criticize her openly to work on things right. in a relationship and then i thought they had a very sweet moment when he starts to get emotional when he says i i you know i wish that you i want you to understand that i do care about this and it makes me it hurts me and he starts to almost cry yeah and Dorit goes pk baba <laughs> baby she can't stand it for baby. a second <laughs> and she comes over to him and she goes why didn't you say that before and it's like that's really sweet. Like when I see moments like that, I'm like, wow, Dorit legitimately loves PK. Yeah. And I I know PK loves Dorit, even though he gets um, annoyed with her. Yeah. So yeah. ultimately that was a sweet scene, I thought. Yeah, it was good. Um, I hope they get their shit together and get on the same page. <laughs> but again, it would not shock me if they moved away from each other naturally mm-hmm. and said, this is not you know, yeah. our end goal. Especially be- with that whole homeschooling the kids situation. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, okay, and then we meet up with Kyle, who is driving to the event with Teddy and Morgan. Um, and uh, they, once they, first of all, there's like a flirtatious moment where Morgan tries on Kyle's ring in the car. You read that as flirtatious. A little bit. I feel like, I don't know if I'm reading into it, but I'm like, I don't act horny like that with my girlfriends. <laughs> and that, that, that was giving horny. I feel like all of their interactions are very like, hmm. I am not the best person to, I guess, remark on on this. But I almost thought like being flirty with each other is potentially just a part of their friendship. I, I mean, do you see it as Morgan is attracted to Kyle and wants to date Kyle? And then Kyle is the one who's not fully no committed? opposite. Kyle would want to date Morgan. If I think she could. she's more like, whoa, like she's opened up my world. And Morgan's more like, I'm just like this, like this, like rich lady is like obsessed with me and like we're friends, but she is like, but I thought, won't leave me alone. But I thought there were instances of Morgan overstating and overinflating how close they were when? and their rapport. For a way that I don't think I'm just like, I'm a friend and this is what I do and this is just par for the course. Like she was like, you don't like cantaloupe and I know oh, you right. don't like cantaloupe. And, and she's like, my, try- my baby hates my- cantaloupe. Yeah, and I was like, okay, so Morgan, you're, you're huh? kind of, you're you're both tapping into this. I mean, uh, why would Kyle ask, would you ever date a woman when you right. know you just introduced Morgan Wade to everyone right. and you, they all are skeptical of this new friendship and Dorit right. specifically is. I, I'm just, I guess I'm just confused and until <laughs> they tell me what this is, I don't know. I know. And then the song, I mean, they could just be trolling us ultimately, but like the song that she chooses to sing at the memorial, the lyrics go, which they show the uh, words on the screen to make it very clear. She goes, uh, 
you say that I'm too young for you. You're scared I'm too right for you. Oh and Kyle's like grinning. Oh my gosh. It was, so it was, <laughs> I didn't even hear those lyrics. I can't believe it. That That's a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> song. So before we talk about, um, the, you know, the celebration of life I thought was like, you know, worth just thinking about in terms of how do you put an event like this that is very somber and mm-hmm. sad? I feel like they handled it well, mm-hmm. showcasing this event. And I like that we got to see this side of Kyle yeah. mourning someone that she really loved. And it's worth it's worth showing, you know, when someone, you know, um, chooses to end their life, like to have that thing at the end saying, like, yeah. this is not something that we talk about. And, right. You know, if you're feeling these issues, like it was no, worth- No, it definitely felt like not in a... Um a cynical sense but like it felt almost like a producer move on Kyle's behalf to be like yes. can we put in yes. this like charitable moment where yes. it's in partnership with NAMI that like you know nonprofit, and I think she was like it would be really important for me to send this message publicly and like insert this yes like it felt like that's what it was for more than like I'm sure that they had like a private service that was more of a like actual celebration of life this felt more like a charity event yeah like based around her friend yeah and the way they filmed it with like morgan wade you know singing the song to her was like they filmed it very beautifully like Mm -hmm. to like showcase that this is like about more than just a a typical event but before i talk about how beautiful this event was i want to talk about how Anne marie (laughs) i think it has to be in the top 20 biggest flops of all time, she's sitting with <laughs> Crystal and uh, Garcelle, who are Sutton's friends. Yeah. These are her friends. Yeah. So her these only are the main friends. Re- real friends. Yeah. Like actual friends. These are the worst two people to ever do what you're going to do in front of. I don't know what the hell you were thinking. They just all celebrated you for your birthday in Ohio, and it was a sweet moment. So then Anne-Marie, Marie, for no reason, out of nowhere, says not to change the subject as they're sitting down. But I want to talk about Sutton's small esophagus again. Uh. <laughs> Seriously, first of all, imagine Anne-Marie, who just saw all of the hate she got in Backlash three episodes ago, episodes ago when she diagnosed Sutton's thing to know that in three episodes she's going to have a conversation at the celebration of life where she brings it up again <laughs> that must have been the worst three weeks of Anne-Marie's life <laughs> waiting for this episode to air and it's even worse the way she it's the worst segue in the world uh, yeah. she says she says not to change the subject then she goes I have been scouring medical books and talking to <laughs> medical professionals and there is no one I wish no they had one, footage of her I, like going around town I instantly wanted her to have a gigantic uh, medical Medical book or whatever that she was. I'm going. picturing the movie Seven when they're like reading all those like biblical books no, in was, like the dark like Harvard library. I was picturing her in the library going through furiously writing, going through books like writing on one of those ladders that spin through the thing to get faster to another medical book and then bringing it down and and ripping through it. It was like that's what you did with your time for her fucking esophagus that no one gives a fuck about. Right. Like and what investigation yes. what's the outcome of this investigation what's the best case scenario I for have, you yeah they, well best case scenario is that she uncovers some <laughs> brooks cancer-esque scandal about sudden and gets the the glory it's of, essentially her being like i have heartburn and she's yes. like everyone knows yes. that you don't get heartburn exactly. like this and i and i will say garcelle <laughs> i think handles this pretty well in Anne marie's defense knowing she's a new cast member she just goes why do you care? <laughs> and then she goes, oh, and Marie goes, oh, because, um, you know, small esophagus is, 
she's talking to Crystal Angar something now. She's like, small esophagus can actually be a symptom of, you know, the aftermath of an eating disorder or something else. And Crystal goes, uh, I'm sorry, I think before we imply that uh, Sutton has an eating disorder, and Anne-Marie goes, I didn't imply that she has an eating disorder. Those are your words, not mine. And then they go 20 seconds later, her actually bringing up eating disorder. Right. I feel like I don't even know if she truly meant to imply that Sutton has an eating disorder, except, well, maybe she did. Well, but why like, would you bring, why right. would you even say I mean, those words? To, right. But I, I was, I have looked into this and as we discussed, I'm like, she is right. The reflux of uh, persistent vomiting does build scar tissue that yes. makes your esophagus smaller. <laughs> so it's relevant, but you, First of all, this conversation's burnt. It's not worth it. Second of all, you know, or maybe she should know, Crystal suffers from an eating disorder. So certainly she's already extremely uncomfortable with this conversation. Then you throw an eating disorder into it. She's going to clench up. It's going to be bad. What are you doing? Yeah. No. Not a receptive audience to have this already horrible conversation that already the audience has turned on you about. It was just every worst case scenario was happening at one time for yeah. Anne-Marie. And um, Crystal, I thought, deserves some credit for how she handled this because she was, I mean, Anne-Marie was obviously the easiest target in the world to like criticize her for this, but I thought Crystal was like pretty great handling mm -hmm. the situation. Yeah. I mean, she did look like she like wanted to die. Yeah. Like she was so uncomfortable. Yep. I also saw that she posted on Instagram. I don't know quite what it was regarding, um, but she, it's like her sitting in her backyard and it's like, here's to being a good person and having boundaries and like sticking up for what you believe in or whatever. And I was like, that's fine, but you're not good at being a housewife. Like, yeah. congrats on like your lifestyle, but I don't need to see it. Would you at all <laughs> be stunned if I told you that in the preview for an upcoming episode, Anne Marie brings it up again? Oh my God, I can't take it. Is there ever been a worse hill to die on? Uh, for any cast no. member to bring up that the audience has hated more, but you're going to make oh, it right your next only week, isn't line? it like? about her credentials like she told me she was a now they're trying to make it about her being a fraud right and i'm like that's not interesting i don't give a fuck yeah i just think all around this is just not something that should have been scrutinized but it really is Anne marie's fault that she keeps making right. this her grievance against and Sutton. yes at a memorial event yeah, yes oh right and i didn't even say this is the worst of event and then to bring this up uh i think I'm not going to say it's a stretch, but Sutton immediately goes when it gets brought to her attention. She's like, does she know that my father committed suicide? Which I'm like, I mean, that's true. It's, I'm sure it's triggering to be at an event like that where the main topic is suicide. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was, you know, we got a reminder of Sutton's background in that area, which was like very dark. Yes. Oh, um, oh yeah. And, and then um, if there's a sweet moment where like Kyle is giving her speech, which I thought was great. You know, Kyle was nervous about it, but she's yeah. giving her speech and like she's saying all this, you know, stuff about you. I forget exactly what Kyle says, but just talking about how much um, her friend meant to her and the yeah. whole history of everything. And like Garcelle takes Sutton's hand in that moment because everybody's like crying. Yeah. And so sad. And I, I thought it was sweet that yeah. they all bonded over this moment. No, it was really sad. Um, I do read into it. Oh, kind of boldly that Mauricio wasn't there. Yes. And uh, Garcelle rightfully pointed out that this is um, uh, indicative of what they're going through now because in any other, I think, time in their relationship, Mauricio would have made it a mission to be there no matter yeah. what. When she had to reveal to her friends 
mother, grieving mother. She goes, where's Mauricio? And she's like, he had to travel for work. I was like, that was like a gut punch. That was like, first of all, it's like kind of like sad because it's kind of like disrespectful because I assume he knew that woman their entire 20, 30 years or whatever. I, I almost read it as Kyle didn't want him there. Yeah. Because if Kyle at all wanted him there, <laughs> I don't think Mauricio would have let himself look bad enough to say, I'm sorry, I'm flying to wherever to open the agency or whatever. I think he would have done it no matter what his schedule was. Right. I think Kyle didn't need. She wanted to feed Morgan fruit on a skewer. You think so? <laughs> I think it was just Mauricio like, would have slapped it out of her hand and he, been like, feed it to me. He would have been like, Kyle, I thought you did like cantaloupe. <laughs> And she'd be like, you, in my, in our day. Yeah. And she'd be like, no, I've always hated cantaloupe. Don't you know anything about me? <laughs> She's um, like, I have a tattoo of a cantaloupe. Right. <laughs> He's like, where? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that uh, Kyle didn't ask Mauricio to be there yeah, because my, yeah. he wouldn't have brought anything emotionally to her. She's already sort of deadened to his loss. Sure. I feel like he should have been there no matter what, but my uh-huh. backup of benefit of the doubt was that they already had like a friends and family service sure. kind of a thing and then this was like an additional i mean but obviously especially because she was so nervous he should have been there and normally would have been there um yeah it just seems like he's like literally never home and they're living separate lives yeah and um and kyle's doing a good job of making it known almost in every instance she can that things are not very good at all. Like she's yeah. not really hiding this fact. No. Um, and then like the last thing that was so dark is that she said that her friend's last words to her, like two days before she died was that yeah. Kyle should cherish her marriage. And yeah. so now whenever it's clear that they're going to break up, she feels like she's letting her friend down. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's very sad, but obviously, you know, if the Kyle will find someone, if it's not Mauricio, like she will yeah, find yeah. love again. Um, yeah. And the, the end message I thought was really sweet where, where Kyle was just like, all we can do in the end is just like lean on each other. I thought that was sweet. I thought it was a, that was a, a beautiful ending to this episode. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So we'll see what happens with this Morgan Wade character. <laughs> do, you, do you have any more, like, I don't want to put you on the spot and I don't have any full formed thoughts on this but like i know we already talked about it a little bit but i think it's like the main question of that's on everyone's minds but like what i mean i don't i don't do is there a world in which kyle doesn't like morgan morgan doesn't like kyle they're not interested at all in starting a relationship they're just good friends i mean it could just be like they're like super codependent and like that doesn't mean that they're gonna scissor okay (laughs) Wow. Okay. So final thoughts. Uh, I think Amy, I think you're right. And I think we should leave instantly on that. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Damn, maybe not that too. Uh, No, I think, um, I I think that I'm just, I guess I, I already said it, but it's like, if I don't, I'm not reading more into it than what I see, which is just that I think Kyle needed someone morgan brought a full new energy to kyle's life that she's never had before teddy wasn't bringing this <laughs> faye resnick wasn't bringing this whoever else kyle depends on morgan yeah. wade offered a full unique outlook to her life yeah and she is charmed and 
whatever you you could say like you know I'm not flirting but you know like is drawn to what Morgan Wade is bringing yeah and it might not be anything more than that except that in the absence of Mauricio she's leaning on someone emotionally a new friend and there's a lot of power in a new friend mm-hmm. they they have a lot of um things they can offer you a new perspective and maybe yeah. it's just that yeah I whenever I see paparazzi pictures it looks like Kim no Kyle Kathy and Morgan have been hanging out and I'm like maybe there's something there too where she's bridging their sisterhood and like is like sort of like a good mediator between them and like forming a new sort of group where she's there and makes Kyle feel comfortable and like safe around her scary sister yeah um so I think that's interesting what did you think about Dorit being like yeah I met Morgan Wade once and she stuck (laughs) out like a sore thumb (laughs) Yeah, she was like, that was like the last time we hung out with Mauricio. (laughs) I felt like, I feel like I was going to ask you if you think Teddy is at all like resentful of the newfound Morgan Ray relationship. But I was like, Dorit definitely is. Almost outspokenly resents. Well, Teddy has Tamara Judge. Ooh, that, oh, wow. You're right. Wait, that's good. (laughs) Well, now also we didn't talk about it, but the Trace Amigas are severed. Oh, shit. That should have been news. (laughs) Oh, I was just gonna, I mean, I was just going to say, if you've got Tamra on your side, you don't need much else. So I'm saying good for Teddy that you've got Tamra as your, one yeah. of your most uh, friends you rely on. But yeah, the, I guess we shouldn't get into it, right? Can we just say it quickly at the end? That, I mean, what, the two of them are going on tour? Yeah. So what I think happened is that Tamra befriended Alexis Bellino after Alexis uh, started dating John Jansen. Uh-huh. Also, Tamara wasn't there for Shannon after the DUI because she was filming Traders or whatever in Australia. So Shannon started to get bummed out about her relationship with Tamara. And Tamara also, in a horrible way, thinking, uh, calcu- like, um, you know, like producer-minded, wanted to befriend Alexis at a time when Shannon was down and out uh-huh. because she knows it's going to be great TV yeah. in the future. So Shannon kind of wrote her off, and Vicky took Shannon's side because... Vicky has been through this a hundred times yeah. with Tamara. She knows Tamara <laughs> is just waiting to turn on her anytime. Oh, yeah. So now they're they're off doing it to her on their own. And yep, Dos Amigos and Tamara is not a part of it. Yeah. Um I saw earlier this morning that I don't even know where I read it, so T B D, but that um Alexis has been made a formal offer. Yep. I saw it too. Yeah. Um yeah, and uh I mean it makes sense. It makes sense because she sort of uh she like played all of her cards right, right and did exactly what anyone should do if you wanted to get back on the show. Yeah. I mean, you Monica, were f- take notes. Yeah, seriously. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's a good thing because yeah. I think it sets a bad precedent for other former cast members who want to create fake relationships so they can get mm-hmm. spotlight again. Yeah. And also Alexis Bellino, I never thought was very good on the show. Yeah. So I don't think this is going to bring a lot except to just make Shannon feel like shit. Yeah. Oh, uh, a little turtle cutie messaged us that, um, I think I texted you, but, uh, Jim Bellino has a restaurant in Palm Springs called like Jimmy B's or whatever. And we should go. (laughs) I saw that. And he came out and he goes, are you Bravo fans or whatever? And and they said, yes. And he goes, I was on one of them. And they go, who the hell are you? And he goes, I was Jim Bellino. Yeah. And I think Lisa Starr is right there. Okay. I would love to go to Jimmy B's with you and celebrate. Jim? Is that his name? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he's bad, but yeah, I just want to see. He was horrible on the show. He did, <laughs> he did though, his second season um, 
glow up was interesting that he decided to get a new chin. I thought that was right. remarkable. Yeah, and he worth... was kind of like Danny McBride character esque. Yeah. yeah, he really was. <laughs> okay, so should we leave our little turtle cuties to go to sleep and yeah. and shove off? Yeah, we talked. Oh, we covered a lot of ground today. We did. I mean, would you say we covered everything in the Bravo universe that's happened in the last week? Now that we did Trace Amigas, I think we did. Yeah. And I, I guess I'll say just at the end that I am watching Potomac. I know you mm-hmm. are as well. Yeah. Um, it, so far, it has still not risen to making it in the, I think, discussion. I mean, we could have maybe next week some talk about the state of Potomac. Yeah. But I feel like we are in line with the overall fan reaction that this is a complete dud season and it needs to be reconsidered right it's had some high highs but i would say this season is a low low yeah and i think we're not like speaking out of school to consider it that i feel like a lot of people consider it yeah that's what i've been reading which is why i've been behind because everyone online keeps saying it's bad so i'm like i'm not gonna prioritize Anyway, all right. Well, thank you so much to our little turtle cuties for listening to Amy and I this um, week. I feel like we did good. I always (laughs) um, try to think objectively about us, and I feel like this was like bordering on B plus slash A minus. Good. Right? Good. Yeah. What do you feel? I think it was good. Um, I think uh, once we get into vanderpump yeah. and summer house territory we're gonna shoot up to like an 11 out of 10 yeah you and i are like yeah we are gonna be like Anne marie in the uh, library at harvard scouring the medical books racing the esophagus around. section yeah totally so cool all right well we love you so much this has been another episode of turtle time <laughs> we'll see you next week we'll see you next week goodbye bye this one's for you tonight 